Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride right here on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM as we get set to uh, bring you our day two of our coverage from the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, we are live in Indianapolis. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, and Lauren Brooks with you. We'll be here one more day after this, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Stop here, so we're glad to be here. Thanks to uh, our terrific sponsors, among them Hodges Mazda of the Avenues, our title sponsor who brought us here, and we certainly do appreciate them, as well as our friends from the law offices of Stephen Doty, Dome Headwear, Hastings Injury Law Firm, so many folks that have made it possible for us to come here. We certainly appreciate each and every one of them that uh, sponsored our trip here to the NFL Scouting Combine. What a day today. Fun day. You got to watch some uh, players talk to the media today. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll hear some of those thoughts. Those thoughts. Uh, Matt Taylor, my friend from the Indianapolis Colts. You heard from Mark Vandermeer from the Texans yesterday. Mark T- Matt Taylor's from the Colts. Kevin Kaplan stops by to talk about how busy he's been, uh, the team doctor. Bucky Brooks is really good from NFL Network and, of course, the Jaguar Radio Network. Greg Cosell stops by. And, boy, do we have a treat at 5 o'clock, don't we? Absolutely. Can't wait. Joey Molinaro. If you are on Twitter and you are a sports fan, you know who Joey is. Is that a safe comment? I think so. And then obviously people who listen to our show certainly uh, have heard him as well because we have played his interviews, parts of his interviews, I should say. And by interviews, I really mean skits. Yeah. Sketches. He, he pretends like it's an interview. Uh, but, yeah, he is hilarious in person uh, with us and just as he is on Twitter. And, and what, a, what a nice guy, too. Joey stops by, talks a little bit about his background. And we might even get him to do some bits, you think? We might even get him to... I may wrangle him in to do a little bit of his stuff. So if you love Joe, that comes up at the 5 o'clock hour. So we're certainly excited about that. News of the day, though, not so good. Jalen Carter obviously uh, has been uh, called back to Athens. He is being uh, charged, it looks like. Um, tell us more about that story. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it kind of stopped the combine uh, because when it broke at about 9.50, I – Jalen was only about 30 minutes away from uh, being in the group that was uh, getting ready to do media. How they do it here is they bring in about eight, nine players at a time in about a 20-minute wave. And so uh, the news came out, and the 10 a.m. group didn't come out, which was led by Clemson's uh, uh, Brian Breesey. So so that group doesn't come out for 20, 25 minutes. Nothing's happening. And then I think what was going on behind the scenes is – the NFL was sort of giving the players a briefing of what had happened and and just basically saying, you're going to be asked about this. Just say, I'm here to talk about me, which is exactly what Gervon Dexter did, which is what he should have done uh, when a reporter uh, started asking him, was Jalen Carter here? Um, And so, uh, but yeah, it was was a really uh, peculiar half hour here in Indianapolis. And and yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's an awful story. Uh, in terms of Jalen Carter and, uh, and and what went into that accident where where two people uh, were killed, and so uh, so he is gone and uh, will not work out obviously, and we'll see how it affects uh, you know what what was supposed to be a, a pristine draft grade, uh, somebody that you know was being mentioned as the number one pick in the draft if Chicago kept it, um, but certainly a, almost a surefire top five pick. And, uh, you know, this is a legal process that obviously is not probably going to be resolved by draft night. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see the variable now uh, that this creates in the draft. Yeah, Frank, I think the big question is how far does he fall and, and really what role did he play in the fatal crash? 
he right now has an arrest warrant that are just misdemeanors. And I say just because if they stay misdemeanors, then I would think that he won't really fall that fall far fall that far. I promise I can talk. Uh, as long as I think that's the extent of it. Yeah, I think there's some stories at play here. Uh, number one, he did release a statement. Jalen did. Uh, said, I think I'll be exonerated of all charges when I'm able to tell my story. He, he mentioned he referred to those as misdemeanors two or three times during his statement. He wants to make sure everyone knows it's a misdemeanor, not a felony, at least as we sit here. I think the big question will be his original response was that he wasn't there when it happened, and now evidence has come out that he was. Two people died. And so I think this is a, a major happening for in, in his life, and we'll see what that means uh, as the thing moves forward. So, But that is the major story, and Hayes described it exactly right. Everything sort of stopped for a while, didn't it? People kept wondering, is someone coming out? Is, are the players coming out? Are they not? So I think that that is a major storyline, and uh, you, you hit it. All right, let's get to some of the uh, specifics. The players uh, did interviews today. It started with the defensive linemen uh, and linebackers. You spoke with Jervon Dexter. Ger- is it Gervon or Jervon? Is it Gervon? I think it's Gervon. Gervon Dexter. You also spoke with um, uh, Ventrell Miller, so you had an opportunity to spend some time with some of the key Florida Gator players. Um, what was your take from not just those guys but everybody with whom you spoke? Yeah, I, I thought on the whole I thought it was a really impressive-looking group. Uh, Tyree Jackson, uh, who obviously is now being mentioned as potentially the best-edge player in the class out of Texas Tech, has just freakish frame. Uh, he's not as uh, – he doesn't have the girth of Trayvon Walker, but the, in terms of the length, the wingspan, it's it's sensational. I, in terms of the Gator element, you know, really the the one that stood out to me was Brenton Cox. Really disappointed in in his answers today at the podium. Um, obviously, he was given a, a chance to address not finishing the season with the team, and uh, basically it was like, I'm not going to talk about another man's decision, which I you know I kind of thought. Uh, and, and in the gruff way that he answered it, you've had time to work on yeah, this right. answer. I mean, you knew this was coming, and uh, you know, so I, I didn't think Brenton Cox really helped himself much. Not, how much does it matter? We'll see. It's not like he's really being considered, you know, and, and certainly not the first day, and potentially not even the second day of the draft. Um, but that was the only misstep that I really saw. Nolan Smith is fantastic. The Georgia outside linebacker, uh, he would be perfect for the Jaguars at 24, in my opinion. Uh, he was the only player today that I gave the label future Jaguar to. Um, and uh, I think just in hearing him, I, he was the first one to the podium, and he was the last one to leave it. And it was 25 minutes of, of really insightful answers, really uh, heartfelt answers in terms of talking about this accident. Um, and just how he is as a player. I just, you know, really exciting uh, young man. I thought uh, Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame uh, was incredibly impressive as well. Jim Nagy, the Senior Bowl Executive Director, joined the Frangie Show a couple weeks ago, yeah. talked about uh, uh, he, Auburn's Derek Hall being a player that he kind of liked at 24 uh, to the Jaguars. So I got a chance to listen to Derek Hall talk about his pass rush plan. You know, that I, that was really interesting. And uh, and Will Anderson, obviously, was was the big star of the day. He had the biggest uh, scrum. He had the most reporters uh, around his podium. Uh, he, he handled himself very well. Uh, gave us some great stories about Mac Jones telling him when he arrived that stars don't matter here. Uh, and defended Bryce Young, his quarterback on his size, and, and said, look, he played in the SEC. Played it, obviously, a very high level. 
you know, Bryce is, is certainly big enough to play in the NFL. Uh, and then from a physical standpoint, Iowa's Lucas uh, Van Ness, very powerful, big man, uh, won't be there at 24. Uh, so I was impressed with uh, seeing his size and seeing him talk about the Watts and, and things like that and, 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 and you know, his skill set as well. So I thought a really, a really good group, and I think if you're the Jaguar sitting there at 24, you feel like one of these edge guys is certainly going to be there for him, and my hope is that it's Nolan Smith. And you heard that. That's Hayes' assessment of what they said. To hear what they said and to see video clips of it, go to our various social media channels. Uh, Hayes was sending back uh, clips of that video all day long, and, and I know Gibby and me and Taylor were certainly working to get that out. So if you go to any of our social media ch channels, you not only hear what Hayes just said that they said, but you hear a lot of their comments. You did a great job of that Thanks. throughout the course of the day uh, today. A couple guys. Ventrell Miller. He's always a positive guy, and he's a positive-minded guy. You know, he, I mean, that, that's kind of who he is, I think. Yeah, I, I, and I, I thought he was a, a complete warrior this season. You know, I, the, I forgot the foot injury occurred so early in the year, uh, but he went through it, and he said, you know, it was, it was the second game, and he then missed a game, then he had to battle it the whole year, and it clearly affected him. Um, and, uh, but, I, you know, Ventrell Miller, I thought, was uh, – it was a lot of fun hearing him talk about – you know, the, the program, the Gators, where they're headed. Uh, you know, he and, and Dexter uh, were, were very complimentary of, of Billy Napier and the direction in which the Gators are going. Um, Dexter, I think, uh, I also was impressed with uh, Gervon Dexter in the sense that uh, I asked him about, you know, how much blocking he occupied because Florida didn't really have any other threat. And, uh, and, and to his credit, he defended his teammates and, and said, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, it's it, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I think my teammates did a good job. And, and, you know, I didn't I didn't really necessarily feel that. I, so I, I, I appreciate hearing that from him that, uh, you know, it wasn't something that because uh, he absolutely could make the case uh, if you turn on his tape that he's getting mauled uh, compared to the blocking that the other players are receiving. Uh, and he played well in spite of that. But had Gervon Dexter been at a program like Georgia, Alabama, really any other program right. that would have had any other defensive lineman of significance in the interior, uh, it could have been uh, a, a really impressive uh, final season for him. He kind of strikes me as like a mini Calais Campbell because he is so tall. Right. Uh, and and, and I'd, never, I'd never been like that – close to him you know and, and it was it was interesting uh seeing it. it was almost like if you were talking to Calais Campbell when he was 21 this is probably what he right. would have looked like when he was at the combine I think Dexter will probably be a inch shorter or something like that but he is very tall for an interior defensive lineman and he's filled out well so I, I think Gervon Dexter if he tests well I think he has a chance to be one of the first 31 picks. It was right. also, real quick, Frank, emotional today for a couple guys at the podium. You mentioned Nolan Smith. Yeah. He was asked about his former teammate, Devin Willock. Yeah. He got emotional. And then, of course, Brian Breesey asked about his sister, Ella, who had passed away from cancer uh, this past season, and, and he got emotional too. And it's a good group. We saw the Florida players. We've seen Nolan Smith. We had Nolan Smith at the SEC media days last summer. Matt Hayes and I talked to him. What a sharp guy he is, man. Really sharp guy. We've seen the Florida players. I had Brian Breesey in a – I had the Clemson-Georgia Tech game this year to start the season, and, boy, I called his name a bunch. I, I, when you remember how many times you call a defensive lineman's name from teams you don't know very well because I didn't know either team before I did my 
the prep on that game, it tells you he's pretty good. So I good, thought he might end up here, the Breezy, potentially, but then when the Jaguars extend Roy Robertson-Harris, yeah. I thought, well, maybe not so much. But he's a guy that's going to go around there. He's going to go probably in the 20s, mm-hmm. so which would make you think this. All right, a lot to do today. Uh, we talked about uh, the in talk two, the, uh, the voice of the Houston Texans yesterday. That is Mark Vandermeer. Today, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts is Matt Taylor. We'll take a break, but after this, Matt joins me to talk about all things Colts, and it's really interesting. The way the Colts have changed, how long it's been since they've won a division, how long it's been since they've had a quarterback start back-to-back seasons, it'll astound you if you think about it. Matt joins me after this to talk Colts from the AFC South from the Combine on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida and the law office of Stephen Doty on 1010XL. All right, welcome back to the Combine. Frank Frangie along with my buddy Matt Taylor now, the terrific play-by-play voice of the Colts. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Good, to, good see to see you. Good welcome to, see to you. town. Yeah, home game for you. Right? Yeah, Fif- 15 minutes, yeah. sleep in my own bed. Yeah, yeah. Life's good. Bring the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> you're ready. Yeah, life's good. Can't you're, beat it. You're ready to go. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, uh, the Colts, it's been a wild ride for you guys. And you and I talk about this a lot, Matt. Uh, a lot of different quarterbacks. Uh, who's the next quarterback? We'll get to that in a second. But what's the ride been like? You've been calling these games. Describe it. Well, since 2019, it's certainly been interesting, right, when your franchise quarterback decides to retire 10 days before the season. Yeah. And then, you know, since then, you know, obviously 19, not enough time to solidify it uh, before week one. So you ride with Jacoby Brissett, then it's Phillip Rivers, then it's Carson Wentz. And and I think those moves, when you look at Wentz and Rivers respectively, they were made – for the long term, at least more than just one year, yeah. Philip Rivers has a good year, decides to retire, got up there in age, certainly can't fault him for that, right? Just decided that, you know, that, that was it for me in terms of the career playing football. And then, you know, it just didn't work out with Carson Wentz. And then, you know, the Deshaun Watson dominoes last off season. you know, you remember that this time of year last year? Uh, created an awkward situation with the Atlanta Falcons in their pursuit of him, uh, thus making Matt Ryan available. And they had, you know, he and the Colts got together on Zoom and had a five, six-hour meeting and decided, hey, we we can make this work. We can kind of marry these two sides. That didn't work in terms of production, and so that's where the Colts are at right now. Um, You know, it's it's been since uh, 2015-2016 where the Colts had the same starting quarterback in consecutive seasons. When you factor in Luck's retirement, wow. his injuries, the shoulder saga that you know Colts fans dealt with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, there might be a couple Colts fans listening to this right now that are kind of shaken, twitching, <laughs> listening to me kind of recap all of that. I, since it has been that long since back-to-back yeah. season. Yeah, and, I mean, and, up, this upcoming yeah. season, depending on what the Colts decide to do, you're looking at seven consecutive years for the Colts having a different week one, day one starting quarterback. You think about it, Matt. Number one, you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Peyton. And then – Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Jacksonville yeah, Jaguars fans yeah. have no sympathy. Right. right. Zero. And, none. And then, and then you got to draft Luck. Who knows if he stays with it? I mean, who, I mean he may be – he's Mahomes, right? He, he's, he may be quarterback in the league for 10 years. Right? I mean, you don't know, but – Well, you're, right? you're certainly up there competing, hypothetically competing with – yeah, Josh Allen and yeah, you know yeah. the, the Bills and and Mahomes. I mean, I mean Andrew Luck took the Colts to the AFC Championship game in twenty, I think it was the twenty fifteen game, so the yeah. twenty fourteen season. It kind of it's all kind of a blur, but it, that was the Deflate Gate year, yeah, yeah. the AFC Championship game. And listen, it was they had some good players, but roster wise. 
quite frankly, they really had no business being in that game. That's how good Andrew Luck was. That's how many, you know, sort of holes he covered up and, and uh, again, roster deficiencies that he masked. He's just yeah. a great playmaker, and um, that was, quite frankly, the biggest – I think sports story that yeah. ever happened in this market because it happens, you know, sort of in real time. It was right in the middle of a preseason game, a home game uh, against the Chicago Bears again, 10 days before the season started. So, yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, this franchise is still dealing with, uh, you know, the ramifications of that. So what's your gut now as you move forward? I mean, do the, are the Colts the team that trades with the Bears? Do they move up? Do they stay put? Do they love C.J. Stroud? I know nobody definitively knows those answers, but what's your gut on all that stuff? Yeah, I, I wish I had a gut. I, I just yeah. don't. Yeah. At least at least not a football gut. Let's right. put it that way. Right. Um yeah, because it's it's it really hasn't been Chris Ballard's M.O. to trade up. He's been quite the opposite. He's a trade-back guy and stockpile picks and get more, you know, uh, throws at the dartboard. You know, that's that's the analogy that he uses. It's more chances to hit on guys that uh, he can have as difference makers, as guys on rookie contracts, and, you know, they can grow and they can mold and, and he can develop those guys and re-sign. I mean, Chris is huge in building from within, developing from within, and really kind of growing the team from a grassroots level. He's very patient and prudent and, and sticks to his values in free agency. You know, you really don't see typically the Colts involved on those week one big splash free agency guys. You know, those are the guys that are sort of those tier B players that get paid like tier A type type players in the National Football League. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's two different sides of the coin. You can say the Colts have been a really good team in terms of roster development and roster construction, but they haven't had stability at quarterback, which is – um, you know, push them down a little bit in terms of their success. And then there's another section of the fan base, Frank, that looks at it and says the Colts haven't won an AFC South championship since 2014. Yeah. Every other team in the division has won at least two. What's going on? Let's go. Wow. Let's change our philosophy. Let's change what we're doing. Let's be more aggressive in free agency. Let's draft differently. Let's prioritize different things in terms of who we're paying. You know, instead of having a, a big name left guard, let's have a big name wide receiver. So, I mean, there's a lot of different conflicting ideas within the fan base right now. And the bottom line is last year, the Colts were 4-12-1. And, and I think the entire roster, both sides of the football had a lot to do with that. You know, kind of played their part in, in having that, you know, kind of dismal of a season. Um, so I, I don't think that you can classify the Colts any longer as a team that is hypothetically just a quarterback away. We'll, yeah. we'll plug and play a, a veteran quarterback and we'll be okay. We'll compete. You know, we can, we can you know, win an AFC championship. Long story short, that's a long-winded answer of me saying I, I think this team is no longer in that window. They've got bigger holes to fill. Tell me about Shane Steichen. We all, we know what a good guy Frank Reich is. I can tell you, Doug and I, Doug Peterson, and I have become pretty good friends, and he really likes Frank. He, yeah. He's a really, really respects him. Didn't take Frank Reich long to land in Carolina. Tell us about the new guy, your impressions early on. Sure. I mean, he and I are the same age, yeah, right? So yeah. he's a head coach in the yeah, NFL, yeah. and I'm here talking to you. Right. So that you know, <laughs> kind of Too sums young. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I get it. Uh, he's, he's a wicked sharp guy. He really is. I mean, just talking to him a handful of times, you can tell he can process a lot. And he's going to have to, right, because he's going to call the plays. He's going to be the offensive coordinator calling the plays, plus now being the head coach, having to deal with the game management side of things. So um, you can tell he's got a, a large football IQ, and he trusts the people around him. Um, but I think the most encouraging thing for Colts fans is that 
you know, he's been an offensive coordinator as a play caller for the last, you know, four years, dating back to his time with the Chargers, and he's been able to make it work. And they've had a really good offense at several of these stops along the way with different styles of offense and certainly different styles of quarterbacks, right? He's had Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's that's like that, – that, that runs the gamut in terms of arm strength and skill set and mobility and all of that, and they've been a top-10 offense uh, every year under Shane Steichen, both in, in uh, Los Angeles and with the, the Philadelphia Eagles. So that gives you hope also, too, I think – In terms of the optimism meter, you look at all the different things. For me, it's just the running game, their rushing ability in Philadelphia. They have led the NFL in rushing in each of the last two years. And I know Jalen Hurts is is a part of that, don't get me wrong, but you're talking about over 5,000 yards combined rushing in the last two years for the Philadelphia Eagles. If you're Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line for the Colts, which – is trying to rebound, but for the most part, it's coming back intact after having a couple of really good seasons, you know, in 18, 19, and 20 before the fall off last year. That should give you hope. Pairing probably a rookie quarterback with Jonathan Taylor, who led the NFL in rushing by a wide margin just about 18 months ago. He's a great back. He's a great back. So he's coming back, and, and he missed six games last year. He was banged up. He was dealing with an ankle injury. So get him back healthy. And, and rebound with, I think, a different set of eyeballs on this offense. Be a little bit more creative in the run game. Be a little bit more dynamic with some of the schemes that you have. I think that's what Shane Steichen can do. That should help the offense, which was just, again, bottom of the barrel last yeah, year. Yeah, I would think if you want to run the football and your starting point is Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and Jonathan Taylor, that's a good starting point. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't think anybody would, regardless of what happened last year, I don't think anybody would, would debate that. Um uh, what about the division? What do you think? Obviously, for the first time, we have real hope in our city. Uh, it's hard for me to ever count out the Titans because I think he's a really good coach and he knows how to coach. Uh, I think Domingo Rides is a good hire. So so the division's going to be interesting. What's your take on, on it? Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville last year was, you know, they, they were a team. I, I remember coming on your show, I think, last summer saying, yeah. I, I see eight, nine wins, and you that's did. what it was. That yeah. was enough, quite frankly, because of the slides of yeah. Tennessee and the Colts. But yeah. who cares? Yeah, yeah. You got it done, and you're – you're the champs. Nobody can take that away from you, and I think they are a team to be reckoned with. I don't think they're going anywhere. They have finally found, you know, franchise stability there with Doug, who you talked about, and Trevor. You know, played like the quarterback. I'm, I'm sure all the fans wanted to see last year, but listen, it, it takes time. And you know, when you don't have, uh, you know, again that that structure, that that, that franchise stability at, at the head coach and the play caller position, that's kind of what you get. So I've been saying that for a while. I think Jacksonville is a great team. Quite frankly, I think they have the best roster in the AFC South, and I, I think they're the champs until somebody knocks them off. And and I think Tennessee, as you said, they're in a little bit of a rebuild mode. Houston's in a rebuild mode. Certainly, you could say that about the Colts but you know Bill Bill Parcells always said you are what your record says you are and the Colts again deserved every bit of 4-12 and 1 but I think the roster is a little bit better than that I think guys did not certainly play up to their expectations last year Quentin Nelson had a bad year Jonathan Taylor had a disappointing year because of the injuries uh, there was no stability at quarterback so I think if you fix some of those big things there is chance, there is hope that the Colts can rebound quickly and be in the mix in the division. Matt Taylor, play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Great to see you, man. This you fun. too, buddy. Here, here in your town. Yeah. Here in your town. That's right, baby. Backyard. Matt, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you got it. it. My pleasure. Back in a moment on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. 
Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida and Dome Headwear on 1010XL. We sure appreciate our sponsors for making this trip possible, as we always do. Uh, The law offices of Stephen Doty, the Hastings Injury Law Firm, Window World, Dome Headwear, and, of course, our title sponsor, Hodges Mazda at the Avenues, where you get your ride. That's right. I uh, about... December of last year, realized that my current vehicle was not going to be a vehicle I could drive for much longer. There were some major issues. And so I went to the good friends at Hodges Mazda. I said, I want to test drive a few Mazdas. So they let me do that. That was a lot of fun. And then I settled on the same vehicle I've had since I was in my early 20s, which is a 4Runner. And they found me a 4Runner uh, in Orlando, as a matter of fact. And they brought that. And it has been a fantastic vehicle. And they could not be better. My aunt right now is in the market for a new vehicle. I yeah. told her, go to Hodges Mazda and try out the new uh, CX-90, which is a hybrid. And uh, I think she's going to do that. So there you go. Very good. Kevin Kaplan just texted me. He's on his way. He'll be Perfect. here momentarily. He's been going crazy now. He's been uh, looking at uh, or talking to or evaluating, I should say. He'll evaluate 300 players. That's a lot of knees to push on. You push, is that how you do it? You push on the knee? That would be a question for I mean, Dr. Yeah, I mean, Kaplan, I mean, certainly you gotta, not you gotta, for you me. you got to push on the knee, right? I mean, you got to check the knee. I, yeah, the way he was telling us uh, at Sanssouci was how they have, you know, a group of the doctors in there and yeah. certain teams, and Titans was one of them. And so kind of one doctor leads it all, and, uh, yeah, they do a lot of question asking and then certainly a lot of poking and prodding, and that is a ton of players. Yeah, so uh, so Kevin will be here in just a bit, um, and, and, and we'll talk all about that. Matt Taylor said something interesting in that interview with, that I didn't realize. It has been 2015 and 2016, the 2016 football season. That's the last two years that the Indianapolis Colts have had the same starting quarterback begin the season in back-to-back years. Think about that for a second. 2015 and 16, obviously the last two luck years, mm-hmm. that's the last time the, – the last time the Colts have had the same starting quarterback in back-to-back seasons. That's almost unconscionable, isn't it? It is wild. It reminds me of the Browns, how kind of they had yeah. gone through that for a long time uh, as far as how many different quarterbacks. It, when you try to find a quarterback through free agency, it doesn't really seem yeah. to always work. It obviously did with the Bucks and Tom Brady, but it doesn't always work. And so they didn't, though, learn from their mistakes. They just kept getting quarterbacks in free agency. Well, two or three things happen, have to happen. Number one, it's got to be the right guy. It's got to work. With Carson Wentz, it just didn't work. Uh, number two, it's got to be a guy that wants to stick around for a while. <clears throat> With Philip Rivers, he didn't want to stick around for a while. So there's a lot of variables. It's got to work. It's got to stick around for a while. Matt Ryan, I don't know what to think about Matt Ryan. I thought the Matt Ryan thing would work. I think, uh, I think the owner, not Frank Reich, the, the, the fired coach, I think the owner, Jim Irsay, is the one who – I'm convinced of this, is the one who pushed for benching Matt Ryan for Sam Allagher. I'm totally convinced of that. I also think I'm pretty convinced that in addition to that, he's also the guy that uh, that fired Frank Reich that, that, and, and, and retired Jeff Saturday. So, and, and, again, Frank Reich didn't, and I told Matt this, it didn't take him long to get a job, did it? He, he got hired about as quick as you can get hired. 
Yeah, he certainly did. And, and I think that's going to go down as one of certainly the better hires for the 2023 season. Look, uh, Matt Taylor also said, you know, no, no Jaguars fans feel bad for the Colts. And he's absolutely right. Our, our Uber driver yesterday, when Hayes and I were coming here to the convention center, said, yeah, you know, the Colts have had seven different quarterbacks the last seven years. And we're like, yeah, uh, we don't feel bad for you. You went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. And so it's exactly what Matt Taylor said. Jaguars fans have no sympathy whatsoever. Yeah, all right. So Kevin Kaplan comes by in just a minute. Uh, Hayes, I was just saying, you, Hayes had to step away for a second. I was just saying, it, how, how unbelievable is it that the Colts haven't had the same quarterback in back-to-back seasons since 2015 and 2016? I mean, we're, we're in the 2023 season. Losing Andrew Luck was, I mean, about as big a blow as a franchise could have. I mean, to lose him at 29 – I, when, I mean, he looked like he could have been headed to a potential Hall of Fame career. I, to just lose him so suddenly, I just, I just think it's, it's really hard to recover from that because they were just entering the window of uh, really competing for the Lombardi Trophy and being a team that you absolutely did not want to see in the tournament because you didn't want to see Andrew Luck. And, uh, and it's, it's hard to go away from that. I think if, if he'd retired and they were sort of on the back end of contention, maybe a little easier to say, let's just go ahead and tear it down and, uh, and rebuild. But they uh, wanted to try and keep it going, which I understand, but it just hasn't worked out. And, uh, and now they, I think they really are faced with a, a new staff and really a, a rebuild. I think it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for Indianapolis to get right back to it. No, I think that's exactly right. All right, let's bring in our friend Kevin Kaplan now. He is the team doctor for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he has now been evaluating about 7,000 football players in the last day. How are you, buddy? Busy. Good. Yeah. Things are good, though. You know, it's fun to be back here, yeah. right? Every <laughs> it year. It is. So so how many players have you seen so far? Well, it's just a quarter of them. So you know, I didn't even so keep track of the number. 100 or so, 80, yeah. 80 to 100. Come on, there's all the uh, defensive linemen linebackers today. So t- take me through the process. Is it a room is it a medical examine room? Is it a conference room? Uh, what do you do? I want to what you what you did today. <laughs> what did I do today? So it, it's it's a big room. Yeah, we're in the same room every year. So it's us, the the Jets, the Titans, the Chargers, and the Bengals. So okay. We, you know the Docs. We know each other. So five well. room, five five teams represented together. Correct. Yeah, and it's the same group of guys every year. So in the room is myself. I have one of my partners uh, looking at MRIs for me. Okay. Uh, and then we have the two athletic trainers, you know, Ferg, uh, Jeff Ferguson, yep. and then Ronnie yep. Hohenschel is our head, PNC, head PT. And so they bring one guy in at a time. And okay. there's a presentation, and they go through that player. Basically go through their injury history from high school to college to basically everything. Is everything. the player in there? Players in there sitting right there in, in front Pl- of the room. Players sitting there in front of the room while you go through everything, okay? Yeah, it's a little less hectic than it used to be. It used to be. Very, I don't want to say helter skelter, but you know, every doctor would get up and every doctor would feel every body part. And so you see these players come in if it's their first room and their right, first, right. Time, you know, they have a guy on their right arm and a guy on their okay. left leg. <laughs> you know, so. so the players in there in front of the five teams, correct? And all five teams have four or five guys. So the players in there in front of 20, 20 people, correct? Yeah. And, and they sit there in a chair on, on an exam table. On an exam table, mm-hmm. okay. Sitting on an exam table, you guys are all around. Yep. And you're asking about stuff on the MRI, correct? Yeah, okay. so we're basically going through the in, their injury history. Whether let's just say a guy had an ACL okay. injury, uh, so we want to know is that knee stable, right? Is it is the knee loose? I mean, yeah. you can do an ACL and the knee loosen up a little bit, or they have arthritis or they have some meniscus problem that's yeah. still there. And so we look at them, we look at their knee. Is it swollen? Is there is there current swelling? Is it loose? Is it unstable? And then we go to the MRI and look at the MRI and 
You know, is there cartilage damage? You know, because for us, it's it's assessing risk, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the team's about to make a big investment on a player, and they want to know what's the risk. And most of these guys are going to play. Whatever injury is there, you know, the, there's not a lot of orthopedic failures, right? Yeah. There's, there's the cardiac, the heart problems, the things that may prevent a player from playing. But a lot of these are an assessment of a level of risk. So, so I, yeah. So when a player's sitting there, hey, here, this MRI shows uh, you had a AC joint injury in your shoulder. Tell us about it. Is that what happened? And he tells you about it? Is pretty, it that simple? Pretty much. I mean, you know, the physician that's actually presenting the player will give the background and give the history because he has to do the same oh, okay. same introduction like six times in a row. Right. And so and we may ask that presenter, you know, about a question about the player or we may look at the player and say, hey, tell us about this injury. Tell us about this. Why did you get this injection or how many MRIs did you have and, and why did they do this and, and what did you feel? So it's a little bit of an interaction between us, the presenter, and the player. Is there anything that concerns you, whether it's like the tightrope surgery we've heard can be kind of a little bit, you know, of, of a concern? Is there anything that a player could have had in college, a procedure that you yourself aren't entirely comfortable with? No, it's more the things I'm concerned about is how bad the damage is. How, how many miles have they put on a knee or a shoulder? And you know, there's certain schools where they maybe they play more, like in Alabama. They play more games per year than other teams just because they're always there at the end. I got so you. Sometimes their players have more injuries or a oh. little bit more worn down. And so when they get to our level and they have an arthritic knee, the question is, is do I think that player is going to make it through one contract? Can they make it to their second contract? Are they going to break down early? And those are the types of things that really concern me the most. One thing an MRI won't show concussion history. Mm -hmm. So does the player always honestly disclose that information? Yes, there's a lot of background work that goes on before we get here. Uh, and uh, the NFL and, and the, the, they'll reach out to the player and the player will then come forward and say something. The, they also have their athletic trainers and their athletic training history. But scouts are also doing their job. So our scouts have a lot of background information on these guys. They, you know, they will go and know what games they missed and why. So it's hard, I don't want to say it's hard to hide, but you know, a lot of this information is out there if you look for it. And um, it's very few and far between where we don't know something. I mean, I'm talking about going back to when they're 13 and 14 years old breaking their legs. Really? I mean, yeah, we saw, I mean, a player today had, had a broken his leg when he was 13 years old and had screws put in taken out and, and that uh, history was there so we knew that and that's not a risk i mean but uh but we know it all right know? so and how long are they on that exam table in your room it's quick i mean how, if you, how long five ten minutes okay five minutes maybe because he's got to do this five times correct because if there's if if you group teams is, are all teams grouped five teams together is that a kind of yeah it's it's about that i mean there may okay. be a, te a, a room that has one or two more based okay on so so he's got to do it six times correct six, six times, yeah. time he's got to so he walks next door to the next room correct yeah and the next that comes into your room it's it, like an assembly line it is it is fast and furious and we start at eight in the morning or they start doing the presentation getting ready at like seven thirty. yeah First player comes in at 8, and we are just boom, 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 boom. Take a little bit of a lunch break, 15, 20 minutes, and then back in the room, and then uh, we're done. By. Is it ever contentious? Does a player say, that's not, that's not fair, I really wasn't hurt? Did it ever happen? I think it did. If you remember back to uh, Reuben Foster, mm -hmm. yeah. I think he didn't want to get MRIs because we order MRIs, and you know, you'll, there are trucks that are back there with us, and so if we want to get an MRI, we'll order that MRI, and MRI will be done tonight. And there are some players that get five, six, seven MRIs, and so oh. they're in that scanner. And, you know, it's few and far between our players because they, they're here. There's an interview. That's for why they're too. here. And they're, that's why they're here. So, Thankfully, the Jaguars don't need a quarterback. So <laughs> I hope you'll indulge me with this question because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. So you're going to see Bryce Young later this week. Um, 
obviously he doesn't have much of an injury history, but his frame is so tiny. Um, you know, we had Greg Cosell tell us earlier today that he thinks that he was told that Bryce Young in the national title game two years ago in the loss to Georgia was playing at 169 pounds. Wow. Would you ever weigh in, not so much on his injury history, but would you give advice to, in this case, Trent, about just a frame and what is realistic to expect in terms of the physical nature of this sport? If asked the question, maybe, you know, what, what do you think of him size-wise? But, yeah, they don't really ask me that. It's more, you know, they, they may ask a question, do you think he would be more injury-prone or have more of an injury risk? But they typically don't ask me that. Um, certainly, you know, you think of another guy like Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray when he came in. He was not that big yeah. of a guy. Uh, so, no, they, they, they typically, when we have our medical meeting, because we'll meet. When we go back, we'll actually meet. And then we'll, uh, we'll yeah. talk about, you know, all the injuries and, and go through that and, and uh, player by player. So. Does anyone ask for medical advice during the combine week or, or opinions since they know that you're a team physician? That's a daily basis thing <laughs> regardless, you know, yeah. wherever we are. Right. You know? I, te I text I, him at home on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my hip hurts a little bit. What am I doing? I, th I, was, at, I was at the Monster Truck Jam on Saturday night. And How was it? It was, it was fun. You know, okay. it was the kids, they love right. it. And, and that, uh, someone came up to me and said, hey, yeah, my knee's been hurt. And I ran <laughs> yeah. some of the elevator that I operated on. Yeah, my shoulder's been doing good. My other shoulder. Right, right. I just turned to my son. I said, job never stops. Yeah. <laughs> See, he's got he's got. It's a hard job. All people ask me is, are they going to re-sign Evan Ingram? Okay, you got the, you got. Um, have you seen things? I'm going to go back for some specific guys. You can't, you, you're obviously can't talk about specifics when a player is up for it. But let's go. Let's, now we can do it. That it's over the, the this behind us. Miles Jack. There was a lot of questions about his knee. The fact that that he may, it may be fine now, but it may not hold up in three or four years. Obviously, you cleared him because you right. wouldn't have drafted him. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, you know, he it's well known now. I mean, a cartilage injury in the knee, yeah. and that was the biggest concern coming out. And, and, again, it's a level of risk. How risky is it to take a guy? Will he break down? And we were all very concerned about it. I think the first two or three years after we drafted him, that was like the number one question when we meet medical team yeah. on the field. How's Miles Jack's knee doing? And, you know, so there, there's certainly a, a level of risk there. We didn't draft him in the first round. Right. And I remember meeting with, with Dave, with Caldwell yeah. Yeah. and Gus, and, and them saying, okay, it's round two. Now what's the risk? And in my mind, I'm like, well, the risk is the same. <laughs> 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 you know? and, and then I remember having yeah. to give a little presentation on what his injury was. So you did. You had to dur so the, during the draft. This was Friday. I got done operating, went over to the stadium, and kind of went through things with, with them to kind of explain, again, what this injury specifically was. And uh, I remember uh, Dave, uh, they said, all right, we're going we're gonna to take him. And we all stood up and, and shook hands, and, and Dave said, but, but, but if he doesn't do well in the first couple of years, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> and he just deadpan, didn't yeah. smile, just anything. And, and I just I paused for a second. He's like, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he's funny. kidding. <laughs> I think he's kidding. <laughs> that's not funny. But, you know, yeah, but, it, but that worked yeah. out. And those sometimes you, you – you but, but you could have said, you could have said, listen, I've looked at the cartilage. I don't I don't feel like he's going to be able to play in a year or two. You, you could – I mean, and if you'd have said that, the Jags don't draft him, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, there's certainly – you don't want to ever miss. You don't want to get something wrong. Um, but but that was a situation where we thought there was a chance, and and I knew, you know, my heart of hearts, that he could make it through a contract, and that was the right. deal. And and then I and everything after that was kind of icing, and and on and sure enough, I mean, he's still playing and playing at a high level, and he's still up in Pittsburgh. I mean, the Pittsburgh doctor called me when when they were you know going right. to take him and said, "What do you think of his knees?" And I I told him my honest truth, and I said, "Look, he's he's got you know th these issues, but he never he will always play." Yeah. You know, he will always play, and he does. You know. the, the Players Union has talked about 
the combine and, and could they do away with it and things like that. But from a medical standpoint, do you think we'll always have to have some semblance of a combine if they decide they don't want to do the testing anymore on the field and not have the 40-yard dash, whatever, fine. But the medical component has always got to be here because that was sort of the genesis of why we're here to start with. That's right. That's Yeah, you guys all know that. That's why we're here. That's that's how this all got together and the running and jumping all kind of game secondary. But I think it's just it would be so difficult, and there's so many injuries that happen before they get here that I think they're always going to have a – they should always have some sort of medical – evaluation of the players and you know we're not here to make someone look bad or, or you know run someone out of football but we're just trying to assess levels of risk and, and you know and again like I said most of these players they've played and they're going to continue to play but we just got to assess where they are in time right now so we know what we're, we're getting into as we either draft them or don't draft them. Is Trevor Lawrence's toe 100% by now? <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, just shift, shift gears. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, he's doing great. I mean, okay. he's got no issues, and, and uh, he, what, a tough, what a tough guy he is, yeah. you know. But, yeah, he's doing. He's rocking and rolling. Good. We'll be ready to roll. You saw 80 guys today, ballpark. You saw 80 guys. Yeah, ballpark. Okay. Did you yeah. flunk any of them? No. Okay. No. Is that unusual? No. The, the, the orthopedic, it's, it's rare. You know, every, com, every combine there will be – one or two times we'll pick up someone that has an ACL deficient knee okay. that didn't know they had an ACL tear. Those are concerning going yeah. into the league, but it's it's rare to, to absolutely flunk someone. You could have the worst arthritis in the okay. shoulder or knee and still play football. So those guys, to me, when I we have a grading number scale, that's how I relay information to Trent, to Doug, right. and to Ferg. And you know those guys are higher risk, right. you know, level four, but playable, you know. And so that's what you do. Correct. You, you you may not flunk a guy, but you may say, "Listen, Trent, um, player X, who I know you like, here's my concern." So that that does happen. Correct. It's not 100%. it's not just uh, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, he's flunked. He's fine. it's not. There's way more to it. Than that. Right. So it's my, our grading scale is easy. You know, one to five. And some teams do A, B, C, D. Okay. So you do one to five. Yeah. Some te- people do not grading. You know, A, B, C. And five is totally healthy. Five is fail. One's totally healthy. Yeah. Then one. some teams opposite. Yeah. yeah okay. so. For you, one totally healthy. Correct. Okay. Do you see many twos and threes? Do you see? Yeah. I mean. Very the, few the, fives, it sounds like. Very few fives. The ones are typically like the punters and the kickers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's true. We actually had a defensive lineman today that was the one that had zero injuries. Really? Wow. Okay. Man, that's, that's impressive. Okay. So. So, so uh, but most of them, you know, it's twos and threes are, are probably, you know, it's almost like a bell curve. And then you'll see okay. the fours that have, you know, we had a handful of fours and, and today that I'm concerned about arthritis. And, and if you have fours, then you may not, it's not up to you, it's up to the GM. The GM may not take them. They may not. Okay. Or they may say, hey, listen, you know, it's round three and we'll we'll take a flyer yeah. and yeah. we know what we're getting into. And the worst thing I could do is not tell them this is a risk. And they take the guy high, and, yes. and then you know, well, you didn't tell me, you know. So I, the, I just, if I lay it all out there, and, and we, and again, we have a big meeting where we discuss medically. They do all their their, their ratings, which I'm not privy to, but yeah. the medical things, we sit down, and then I go through my dictation because I'm sitting there typing out my dictation. So when we go back, yeah, it's not like I can remember 80 guys. They come so fast and furious, yeah. but I have a whole dictation written out. I have my grade. I can go look back at the MRIs again and have it right there in front of me. And, and not that's not just this trip. I've been in April that really, I mean, because April, they, that's when they draft them. That's right. So, so, you, so you go back through it again, right? They, Everything yep. you saw here, do you, do you, final thing, do you see people you, any other than here when you bring them in for visits? How does that There's work? There's two things. There's a medical recheck. So some guys either have surgery or are having surgery and they're healing or they're getting better. 
So there's a medical recheck that's okay. going to happen a few weeks before the draft, uh, and then we do all the visits, and they'll bring guys in, and they say, hey, Cap, we may want you to check this guy out. Yeah. We do the medical, and so he'll come to my office, and we'll sit down and talk, and a little bit more one, you know, one-on-one, you know, yeah. which is a little bit more personal. So, I mean, is yep. running back by far the position that, in your opinion, you see more fours and fives with coming out of college, or not really? No, I mean it's a mix. Okay, I mean, there's some defensive linemen, the O linemen, you know, line linebackers. I mean, it's all it's all over the board. Yeah. I mean, certainly you see more knee wear and tear. I yeah. think in those running backs just because they're just put miles and miles yeah. and miles. You know, whereas the defensive linemen, offensive linemen, it's more shoulder upper extremity because they're just sitting there blocking and doing yeah. this all day long. So I'm guessing if you general just general health on the one to five scale, Lauren probably be a one. <laughs> She'd be a one. We'd be in that four or five I'd range. Be, I'd be a seven. <laughs> we might we might both get flunked. Yeah. We, I don't we, know this <laughs> finger. Look yeah, at that. yeah, that. that's, that's still that's, that's an awful finger. finger. That's just an awful. That's, I I have trouble <laughs> even doing the show if I look over there. Just, that's how hard it is for me. So. <laughs> Kevin Calvin, hey, great job. I know you got a lot more work. So you do this all week long, right? All week long. We do it tomorrow. We do Saturday, and then uh, go home Saturday, and then look at uh, about 150. 200 more MRIs when we get home. So. Wow. You going to St. Elmo at night? Are you going to do that at all? Prime 47 tonight. Prime 47. Yeah, prime 47. Not, you know, Pete Prisco is the mayor of Prime 47. I know. Did, did you know that? That's the only way I got in there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I said Kevin, I know Ke- Pete. Uh, team doctor, Kevin. Thanks. We appreciate it. Right, Kevin you. Kaplan, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars team doctor. Bucky Brooks joins us after this. It's 1010 XL and 92.5. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida and Dome Headwear on 1010XL. We welcome you back to the Combine. Frank Frangie along with Lauren Brooks and Hayes Carlin. My buddy Bucky Brooks stops by now from NFL Network and our Jaguars Radio Network. How are you, brother? Good to see you. Man, I'm good. I am good. You guys look like you are having a splendid time here at the Combine. We are having a big time. We are a big time. We really love coming up here. What, what, what all do you do? You're, you're involved up here. I mean, you, you're, you're here till Monday. Give us a kind of an overview here. Well, Okay, do you want the real or do you want me to put on, like, what, it, what, what I'm supposed to be doing when it comes to work? You know what? I'd, I'd, <laughs> okay, so, I'd like so, the real, actually. Okay, so, so what, I, what I really do is I make all my dinner reservations a week in advance. <laughs> Smart. And I try and figure out where I'm going to eat every night. Yeah, yeah. And then in between time, I'll try and do a couple interviews here. I'll podcast a little bit. I'll yeah. walk, watch a couple workouts later yeah, in the yeah, weekend. Yeah. But really, as you know, I'm a foodie. It, it, it's just around the food. <laughs> it's, a it's just making sure, like, where, where we can figure out where to eat and make sure everyone is happy when it comes to that. He is a foodie, I can tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Bucky, we had the uh, linebackers, the defensive linemen uh, out here today. Uh, they'll test, obviously, later. But do you have a feel, a couple guys in that group that, that have caught your eye at all? So here's the thing. Like, the, the draft this year – it's pretty deep when it comes to the defensive line class, you know, where there's defensive tackles and edge rushers. There are a bunch of different guys that can play. May not have – like the draft itself doesn't have the blue-chip players that you used to having, but there are a bunch of good guys that can play. So at the top of the board, you're talking about Jalen Carter, you're talking about Will Anderson, those guys. Uh, down the line, though, there are really some intriguing names. Miles Murphy will be one that comes up from Clemson. Uh, tremendous first-step quickness and burst. Uh, people are talking about Andre Carter in the second round, the guy from Army who was super athletic, nonstop motor, had a bunch of sacks in 2021. The production fell off a little bit this past year. You kick it inside. Uh, you have, like, a handful of guys like Will McDonald and some stuff that can play. So I think the big thing when you're looking at this class, what is it that you really need? The teams that win and win at a high level defensively, they have someone that can get sack production on the inside and someone that also can do it on the outside. And so you have to figure out where do I need it, who can be most disruptive, and how can we best utilize them. 
If the Jaguars were picking a defensive lineman at 24, who should Ooh. they select? Yeah, who's going to be there? Man, who's going to be there? So the kid from Clemson, Brian Breezy, a defensive tackle, will be there. But really, if you ask me, when you look at our team, here's the thing. The conversation has to be had, like, what's the best place to put Trayvon Walker? Mm -hmm. So if Trayvon Walker is outside, then you can look for someone inside. Mm -hmm. And you have to Trayvon on the outside thinking – that at some point he's going to be a double-digit sack artist. He and Josh Allen both are going to combine for 20 or more sacks, and you're going to be able to win. If you don't feel like Trayvon's going to be that guy, then do you have the conversation, hey, maybe he becomes more like Calais Campbell, a big five technique that kind of plays right on top of the tackle, maybe inside, and then you can drop someone on the outside. The other issue that you have to have when you're Jacksonville is, what's the best position for Devin Lloyd? So people may be disappointed about what Devin Lloyd was, but – at Utah, he didn't play off-the-ball linebacker. He was more a guy that was a specialist off the edge. And so before we can kind of speculate where the Jags are going to do, they have to kind of tend to their knitting internally to figure out, hey, what are we going to do with the players that we took last year in the first round? These are supposed to be two blue-chip players. How can we get them to play the blue-chip level? Because that's the expectation in U2. What would you do with Trayvon Walker? What would you do? I'll, I'll kick him inside. Yeah. I'll move him inside, let him be a long five technique. I will see if he could do some things that can – uh, disrupt the quarterback. Charles Davis is the happiest guy in town. Uh, he's always happy. He's, the happy. he's, always, he's always happy. I don't know where you see Charles Davis. Uh, this was 25 years ago he was this guy, okay? The, Charles is always happy guy. Bucky tell you that he sent me his chiropractic bill. Charles, I believe it, bro. I do. I do. I absolutely believe it. He got him his bill. I totally believe it. I, <laughs> oh, my, my God, my God. Charles, Charles the Davis, Charles he's, absolutely, he's the greatest. He's absolutely one of the best. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because we were down at the HBCU Legacy Bowl and we are looking at all those pass rushes and stuff, yeah. and you're trying to figure out who's who and what's what. But the conversation always comes back in Jacksonville, what do you do with those best players? Yeah. And so when you take Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick, you take Devin Lloyd in the 20s, the expectation is those guys are going to be great players, pillars of the franchise going forward. So Mike Caldwell. Doug Peterson, uh, the general manager, Trent Baalke, to a point, they have to figure out, hey, what is the plan to get these guys up and going? What do we need to do to the defense to make sure that these guys play at a high level? Because we invested in them, then we got to see them succeed. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to get off the beaten path for a second. You have an, a really interesting perspective on this because you're on the sideline. You and Doug were teammates. Mm -hmm. You know football as well as anybody I know. I mean mm -hmm. that sincerely. What? And I asked Doug this yesterday. Something happened where he changed that culture, Bucky. You saw it. I mean, you were you were in the locker yeah. room. You were with you were with him during every game. It was a great locker room. There was no mm -hmm. pissiness. Mm -hmm. There was no divas. I mean, am I reading that right? I mean, I, we we travel that team every week. Yeah. What happened to make that so good? It was it was it was really fun. It was a fun team to be around. You know, it's just a fun team to be around because they genuinely liked each other. There didn't appear to be any like animosity or yeah. envy or jealousy when it comes to like who was getting the credit like particularly when you look on offense every week you never knew who was going to be the hot receiver right and those guys were generally happy when somebody would go off I think the big thing Doug did and it started in the offseason he said this when we met like privately in his office he, he was like you know the thing that I got to do is I got to get these guys to trust me and so what he did very very early particularly coming off of like what happened with Urban whatever took place he was like I got to make sure that I earn their trust and so early on People wanted, like, he was kind of loose with the reins, mm -hmm. didn't really grind on him a little bit, just kind of like, hey, let's kind of let it happen. And then they began to really believe what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And then as he started having success, 
And as they recognized that he was a Super Bowl winning coach, they began to kind of listen to those things. And I would say the changes that he made in season that might have been subtle or not really seen by the naked eye, the simplicity of what they started to do on defense. Um, when your team sees that you are a problem solver, that's when they begin to really believe you. He took a defense that was struggling. They were having a tough time, couldn't stop. It was like a six-week stretch where yeah, we couldn't right. stop anybody, couldn't get turnovers. And all of a sudden, they simplified. And that was at his suggestion, like, hey, man, we got to simplify this thing. Like, hey, we thought coming into the year we'd be a high-pressure, get-after-it, this and that. And he said in the middle of the year, eh, that's not who we are. So why don't we play a little bimba don't break, keep everything simple. You start hearing Wingard and Foyer talk about, hey, they simplified things and made it easy. The players started playing better, and then they bought in. And he said, to the team's credit, they bought into the process of how you prepare to get better. And it's the little things like, how do you study film? How do you go about attacking the practice week? This team was very good about taking the day-to-day. Hey, we're just going to worry about Tuesday, Tuesday's our day, Wednesday – and then they kind of put it together. And then a lot of the stuff that you think about, like one play at a time, one day, they did it. And when they had success, then it became, oh, okay, our coach knows what he's doing. Now we always can go on board. And, you know, he's a bit of a, a, a prophet and a truth teller in terms of saying, hey, guys, we're going to be right here. And sometimes you say that when you don't believe it. But he said there, I mean, because I was like, dude, what are you talking about? We're gonna be here. He's <laughs> like, hey, I'm telling you, with the last game we're going to play for the thing. You're like, yeah, coaches on some different stuff. <laughs> but then when it was right. But then when it happened, now you got currency. So yeah. now he has them. And so the big thing will be, what does he do to get them to the next level? And they have to know that just because you finished there last year, there's no guarantee it's going to be next year. So now we got to make sure we work hard and put all the things together. Yeah, I really like the environment that Calvin Ridley is is coming into. One, once he's reinstated, mm-hmm. what what are your expectations for the kind of player he can be for the Jaguars? Okay, I'm going to say this, and I know, like, it, it'll be hot takeish. He may be the best receiver that we've seen since Jimmy and Keenan. And I am dead serious when I talk about in terms of the skills that he brings to the table. When I talk to the guys at Atlanta about him, and I was like, hey, man, what's up with Calvin? Like, what's going on or whatever? And they're like, look, the stuff that he was dealing with, like, he can fight through that. That stuff is not a problem. On the field, he's an absolute monster. They say he's uncoverable. He's a true number one receiver. He's a, right, a route runner extraordinaire, and when he gets to Jacksonville, he's going to reset the pecking order and make everyone get back into their natural position. So now Christian Kirk goes from being the expected number one to now he can play the role of A. Maybe I'm the slot, maybe I'm the two. Zay Jones plays his role, Evan Ingram. And what you're assembling is in kind of a, a supporting cast around Trevor Lawrence that should allow him to make a major jump. And when we're talking about the defense, this is the other thing that you have to – talk about so everyone talks about complimentary ball and what does the defense need to do if Doug Peterson feels like this team can score let's say they score 30 points a game well now the defense doesn't have to be a dominant defense it can be a bend but don't break defense that forces turnovers wins in the red zone and those things a lot of it will be when Doug gets his hands on the team and they get on turf okay how good can we be because if he feels like it's a good offense then he's going to put the pressure on the defense coordinator might call, well, hey, man, you don't have to feel like you got to go win it. Just, just don't give it away. Mm-hmm. And he'll put it on himself to do it. Because we saw down the stretch, it was more offensive-driven. Defense just had yeah, to make a handful of plays. Yeah. What's the best place to eat in Indianapolis? Ooh. Now, now he's just wheelhouse. He's so, going to jump a little bit. He's excited now. Ooh, so now, you know, 
like when when you come here, like you have to do the St. Elmo's things, right? You have to do that, like if you're big state. But there are a bunch of little steakhouses all over, and you have to get away from downtown. Like Mass Ave has some places. Have you been place to Delivery? Called? I haven't been to Delivery. Do I need to go to Delivery? Like Our Uber driver told us about it, and oh, it sounded really cool. So there's a place called Mesh, which is around, like not not in downtown, but just on the outside yeah. of downtown. You can go there. You still got all your hair and is. You got to do all the stuff that are kind of like the staples of downtown to do it, but. When you're in the Midwest, it has to be about steak and those things. Don't go to a seafood place. Like, don't go over here and try and reinvent the wheel. Get you steak, <laughs> some potatoes, some Midwestern fare. You got to be thick for the week. What's the <laughs> now, what's what's the name of your high school you coach? I need. Oh, Granada Hills Charter. So John Elway's so, so high school. So Granada Hills Charter. Okay, so they win like every game, like fifty eighth and up. <laughs> so 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 I hang out with Bucky at breakfast for the Jags game, and Bucky's a nice guy. He's just a nice person. Well, I'm not so. He feels bad because he's running up. This, he's scoring. These, I said, "Listen, I'm a Spurrier guy. Oh, what do you, what yeah. do, you do if you're a Spurrier guy? Run it up. You're running up, but I've been trying to coach him. He's trying. He's, I, I he coach is. him every week. Run it up. That yeah, matter, run, right? I mean, run it, it up yeah. with the backup. Yeah, run it up. But run, but it, run up. it up. Just run it up, right? <laughs> see, see, we've had that conversation. <laughs> so we had that conversation. So when he talks about Steve Spurrier, like I have this nasty memory of Steve Spurrier because Steve Spurrier was at Duke my freshman year at North Carolina, <laughs> and so I think he knew at the end of the year that he was leaving Duke to go to Florida. And so we played them the last game of my freshman year, and they beat us 41-0. to zero. And at the end of the game, the normal customary thing is, like, you walk across the room, you shake hands or whatever. Their entire team bypassed our team. And at Carolina, in Keenan Stadium, there's this little scoreboard that hangs in the corner. They took their team picture <laughs> under the scoreboard, 41-0, and that picture is their ACC championship picture. Wow. And so, Steve Spurrier left after that, and he left the poor Duke Blue Devils <laughs> to, to, to pay that price. <laughs> for, for like 20 years, they've been paying the price for like taking the thing. So, that's my Steve Spurrier. So, so, so when he talks about the golden era of, <laughs> of Florida football and Steve Spurrier, like, look, that, he does it. But, look, I respect it now. I understand it because yeah. there's something about my dad always talks about this. Like, hey, man, you want to leave scars. Yeah, like, you want to leave scars. When you got a chance to hammer, man, you got to hammer. <laughs> that's what I tell him. And then you go over there and you shake your hand yeah. and you smile. Hey, Coach, good game. Like, like that's your guy. Like, and, every, and every time I tell him the Spurrier story, I, I think, wait a minute, he didn't really like that. Bucky Brooks, uh, you do a great job, man. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Have fun here in Indianapolis. Uh, back in a moment on 1010 XL 92.5 FM. Joined by uh, Greg Cosell from NFL Films and knows this league about as well as anybody alive. How you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're we're doing fine. We are we're excited. We had a we had a good little run last year. We sure uh, did. And, and we're excited about moving forward. You're a quarterback's guy, Greg. I, I know that. Um, so I'm not going to bury the lead here. Your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence, his development, and where you see him headed. Oh, I thought it was incredibly positive, and I thought the coaching staff did an unbelievable job. See, you know, Trevor Lawrence obviously got hit with the moniker that he's a generational quarterback coming right. out, and, and that was unfair because he wasn't, you know, and he had some things he had to work on. You know, the one of the things you really want to see in college, and you don't a lot, is, and certainly you didn't see it with him, is you didn't really see him a lot in contested pockets where, you know, the pockets were squeezed. He had he made a lot of quick throws There's where there were a ton of – bubble screens, tunnel screens, and he was a big strider. And the few times he was under duress in college, he would speed up and yeah. his delivery would become elongated and he'd become a little scattershot. So I made, you know, I put that in my notes when I did my evaluation. I thought, okay, this is something that's going to have to get cleaned up. And I thought that this coaching staff this past year, led by Doug Peterson, who's phenomenal, you know, even, you know, Mike McCoy, been around a long time. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter is a guy that a lot of people may not know about, does a great job. Um, you know, guys like that, 
what they did is they they speeded him up, but they shortened his stride. They shortened his stride on his drop and his set, and what that did is it also quickened his delivery. And the, one of the things that Trevor Lawrence really has going for him is he's very smart and he's very good at picking up concepts. You know, contrary to what people believe, he is not a big arm power thrower. You know, he's not in the Josh Allen, Justin Herbert category of throwing a football. Mm-hmm. He throws it fine, but he's not that guy. And there are certain throws that they won't ask him to make because he just doesn't have that kind of power arm. Um, But he's incredibly efficient. And I'll tell you what, a great example of that was the 39-yard touchdown he threw to Zay Jones against the Chargers where he made that play call at the line of scrimmage, Mm -hmm. okay? And he saw the coverage and recognized the coverage and knew what the the weakness of that coverage was, and he called that play at the line of scrimmage. You know the play I'm speaking about, right? It was a corner. It was a deep over. It was a deep over by Zay Jones. Right, that's right. And, you know, he's really quick at picking up concepts. You can add concepts. You know, that's the strength of his game. He's very good throwing on the run. He's a really good straight-line athlete. He can run fast. Um, But he became so much more efficient in the pocket game because they shortened him. You know, he was a deliberate guy. Everything Mm -hmm. was deliberate. He was a big, striding guy. I mean, he's 6'5", 6'6". He's kind of high-cut and long-legged. You know, he had to get quicker. You know, it's the NFL. you got to get quicker. Right. And they did a great, great job with that. And you saw the results. The guy had a really strong year. There's no reason to believe he won't continue to improve. You know, I'm not a big believer in making lists, so I'm not going to sit here and say, well, is he going to be the third best quarterback? Yeah, yeah. The point is he's going to be a good player. Yeah. And they're going to be a team, I think, for the most part, that is now competing, you know, year in and year out, whether they're the first seed, second seed, third seed, fifth seed. You know, every year is its own year, yeah. but they're going to be one of those teams that's going to compete. Greg, if Calvin Ridley is able to get back to the form that he showed, yep. uh, what, what kind of player uh, can he be for the Jaguars? He is a sweet, sweet route runner. He's one of those guys you can see he understands how to run routes. He's got both great route quickness and separation quickness. Um, those are two different things, um, but he can separate. Um, and the most important thing is you've got to be able to win at the top of your route stem. You got, that's what you got to do. You know, that's that's what the NFL is because, you know, you don't see a lot of guys just run by people. You know, there's not 20 Tyreek kills in the league. You got to be able to separate when you run your routes. And he's a great separator. He knows how to use his vertical stem extremely well. He knows how to get cornerbacks turned. He knows how to get them off their spot. He's, he's just he's – just, I loved watching him run routes. He's just a sweet route runner. As you see this Jaguar team and you watch them so closely, obviously – where are the holes? What do they have to get better at, in your opinion? Obviously, they're a young team. They're yep. a young team. But what, what, what holes would you see? I would say they probably need another corner, for sure. I mean, I think Campbell's a solid player. Yeah. Um, you know, Griffin was hurt a lot. I don't know if he's even under – I don't know his contract. Probably not bringing, probably 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 not bringing yeah. it back. Save yeah. some money. <clears throat> right. You know, so I think they have to get better at corner, both in, at, uh, outside opposite Campbell and in the slot. They ended up playing Herndon a lot in the slot yeah. this year. I think they have to. So, they, to me, they would need two corners, you know, upgrades. Um, I, you know, I don't. You guys would know more because yeah. I'm not there. But yeah. I was really interested in the way all of a sudden Muma started playing more, ben taking Lloyd. some snaps away from Lloyd. I don't yeah. know what the dynamic was there. Yeah. Um, Alua to me is he's just a really, really good player. Yeah. Um, like him a lot. Um, 
you know, I think that they're ultimately going to need a little more pass rush. Yeah. You know, obviously they're counting on Trayvon Walker yeah. to become. I think everybody knew when he was drafted that he wasn't a refined pass rusher yet. That's right. But at 6'5", 275, looking like Tarzan mm-hmm. with really good athletic ability, that down the road he could become more of that guy. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say if he doesn't this year, that means he's not a great player. Right. But I think they need a little more of him being an individual pass rusher. You know, the kind of guy, sacks are, hey, it's a great number. You say 18 sacks, great. But, you know, he needs to become in the category of, you know, the Boses, where you you look at him and you say, hey, that guy's a problem as a one-on-one pass rusher. Mm -hmm. You know, and the hope is he'll become that guy. Greg, how do you see the rest of the AFC South? Well, Tennessee's going through a little bit of a a transition here. Um, We don't know who their quarterback will be at this point in time. And when you don't know who your quarterback is, then that kind of puts a pal over your entire team. Um, obviously, um, Jim Bob Cooter's now the OC, as you guys know, in Indianapolis. They draft fourth. They don't really have a quarterback, so we don't know where they stand right now. And then Houston, um, you know, Houston's roster needs to be upgraded pretty significantly. I mean, right now, Jacksonville would be the class of, of, of the AFC South for sure. You know, and again, each season is different, so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're going to win 13 games. You know, we don't know any of that. Yeah. You know, but... You know, clearly with Trevor, uh, you know, as an improving player with the right mindset and the right attitude and, and a really good coaching staff, you know, I think that they're the class of the AFC South. And um, the other teams, we just don't know about as we sit here, you know, on, on Wednesday at the Combine. We don't know how that's going to play out with free agency in the draft. Greg Cosell with us talking NFL and more, a few more for you. Uh, the, the whole AFC, I know you don't like to rank them and I hear you. But is it Mahomes and everybody else? Do you still think Josh Allen's right in that mix? It almost seems like because Burrow emerged, people forgot about the Bills a little bit. How do you bunch all those guys Well, up I think, look, the Bills have won a lot of games. Yeah, you they know. have. Um, the Bills really are overall are not as good a, a team as people think they are in terms of talent. They're really a Josh Allen-driven team in a way that can sometimes be a negative. It's, yeah. hard, it's hard in this league to only win one way. Yeah. And I think we all became mesmerized by what Josh Allen did in the playoffs a year ago. Not this year, a year ago, when he had those two games that were superhuman. It's impossible to play like that all the time. The guy's a special player, but this is a team that has a below-average NFL offensive line. It's a team that doesn't really have any commitment at all to the run game. And therefore, there's no real synchronicity between their run game and their pass game. Other than Diggs, they really don't have a consistent receiver. You know, even a solid guy. Like, it's with Jacksonville. You probably wouldn't call Zay Jones or Marvin Jones and and even Christian Kirk, like, top, big-time top receiver. But they're consistent, solid players. You know, the Bills don't really have that behind behind Diggs. Um, So their offense is really, it's it's Josh Allen. It's Josh be great. Mm -hmm. And Josh is great, so he... He does. I mean, if you look at their wins and losses over the last couple of years, it's remarkable. So they win games. Um, but, you know, obviously Burrow, Burrow is, is he's just one of those guys. He, like, for instance, you, people love to talk about quarterback traits. And they immediately think of things like, oh, he's got a big arm or he can run. Like Anthony Richardson this year coming out of, of Florida. You're probably very familiar with sure. him. You know, I know Gainesville, you know, not right. that far from where you are. <clears throat> um, but... You know, at the end of the day, quarterback is a nuanced, disciplined, subtle craft. That's the reason Trevor Lawrence advanced. Yes, you know, it's the yes. nuances of the position. Okay? Burrow is a master of that. You know, Burrow does not have a gun. Good enough, yeah. but he doesn't have a gun. Right. And 
he moves well, but he's certainly not Anthony Richardson or Josh Allen. Right. You know, so, you know, Burrow's really a big-time player. Herbert, I'm so anxious to see Herbert with Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore will add in more intermediate and vertical concepts that, that, you know, I think obviously Justin Herbert can make those throws. And we know about Mahomes. We don't really need to discuss him a whole lot, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, how do you see the the top quarterback prospects here? What sort of a, a quick evaluation that you have on these guys? If I had to pick one, I'd say C.J. Stroud is probably my number one. I think that he has the ability to do something that's really hard to do that I don't think a lot of people look at. He has the ability to throw with pace and touch, feather the ball, layer the ball. He's a very natural thrower of the football. Um, You know, I love Bryce Young, but I'm just so nervous about his size. Really little. Somebody told me who knows that in the championship game a year ago when they lost to Georgia— that he weighed 169 pounds. Wow. And, you know, he's a really good football player, and he's an unbelievable kid. I've gotten to know Bryce Young, and he'll step in anywhere, and he'll know the offense, and he'll be able to run it. But, you know, can he play? I'm sure he's working really hard to come in here at the Combine and be as, as heavy as he can be, but I'm sure his normal playing weight's probably 180, 185. Mm-hmm. And can you play quarterback in the NFL at 180, 185? And I think that's a very legitimate question. Mm-hmm. You know, taking nothing away from the kid. Yep, yep. Um, Richardson is, you know, he's, he hasn't played a lot of football. So there's a major projection there. You've got to get to know the kid, which I'm not going to get to do. So you've got to get to know the kid. Because I had a great conversation with a coach regarding Josh Allen, because Josh had some issues, as we all know, coming out of Wyoming. But he said, once you spent time with Josh Allen, you came away saying, this kid's going to make it. So you have to get to know Anthony Richardson. And, and are you going to come away saying that? Yeah. Because he's going to have to have that same kind of mentality. Um, and then Will Levis. Will Levis is a guy with a compact delivery, power arm, can make every throw. Um, kind of a pocket player, a little bit stiff. Um, in an ideal world, would probably not be graded as a first-round pick, but we know quarterbacks get drafted. That's the way it works. Right. You're, you're exactly right. right. Hey, uh, let me tell you this. I was at the SEC Media Days last summer yeah. in Atlanta, and I think Bryce Young's a really good player. I was blown away by how little he is. I used to, That's used to, what most people say. I mean, Greg, when I saw him, I told these guys, when I saw him, I'll bet you 170, 175. 510 yeah. kind of kind of small build not not no, he small. doesn't he's he's not built like a Drew Brees no, or a Tua no, he, he can't not. get to 215 I'm telling you he he yeah. I, I, just, I told you Hayes, it shocked me so hey final question where's the quarterback carousel landing you have any gut where's, oh, where's no. Derek Carr and, <coughs> I don't I mean I, I know everybody and, wants to know that I, I any don't guess I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. I really don't. I'm sorry to you know disappoint. Yeah. No, no, I'm, we don't either. If everybody's expecting yeah. me to have some brilliant answer, <laughs> you know. The only thing I would say is that if you're interested in Aaron Rodgers, I'd be careful because he, you have to trade for him. Yeah. And you just don't know. You know, he could play one year and then say, I'm done. And you don't want to start giving up multiple first-round picks for a guy who might play one year. Yeah. You know, or he might decide he wants to play five years. Yeah. You don't know. And I don't think he knows. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, Derek Carr is probably the best guy that's out there because I think he's a good player. Yeah. And I think... Um, you know, obviously he's going to play for a lot more years. So, you know, he's probably the guy if you need one. Greg Cosell talking quarterbacks. Well, you do a great job. Thanks for stopping by. We sure appreciate it. Oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Back in a moment on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida and the law office of Stephen Doty on 1010XL.
Frank Rangy, Hayes, Carlin, I'm Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson back at Tintin XL headquarters. And we have our trainer here. We three are media, but Denny Thompson is a trainer owner of Six Points. Denny, congratulations on all the success so far you've had all yeah, season. Not, long. Yet. not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We gotta finish this, man. It's uh it's exciting though. They brought the whisperer to Indy. What about that? I love it. You don't see yeah. that every, every no, it's, right. it's exciting. Um well so so tell us you're obviously you train Anthony, you train Gardner Mins, you train a bunch of quarterbacks. What is your role here? I mean, because we do, I really don't know. I mean, yeah. you, what, 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 what's your job in Indianapolis? Um, most, most what everybody's job is here to network, right? Yeah. I mean, our, our okay. priority is to make sure that Anthony is taken care of, but that's not me, right? That's training staff. That's uh, Dr. Tom Gormelli and those guys, and they're all set up, and, and we're making sure that, you know, he feels as good as he possibly can. And I think we threw today for maybe 15 minutes, and then we're – uh, just right down the hall here, they have a little uh, 50-yard field. In oh, the they do, okay. Center. Yeah. And then we'll have dinner tonight, and that's the only time I'll see him. And then we'll we'll see each other in the morning and go over the day schedule. And It's almost like I'm a glorified assistant in some way. But, yeah. but, but so, so for a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, who's going to be a first-round pick and a quarterback, what's his staff? It's you. It's Will, who works with you. Right. It's, you just mentioned his, his Tom Gormelli with Torque, and then AJ at Torque, and then we brought another physical therapist from Torque, um, and then uh, Ashley is here for recovery, and then he's got his agents and their team. So, so six, six, six of you just at work with the his physical stuff. That's right. Just six of six yeah. here in Indiana. Six yeah. people in Indiana. It's not a cheap trip. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, no. think about that. I mean, the the this first round draft pick, and I, and I say this because I'm sure. Every other first-round draft pick has the same entourage. Yeah, I, I, right. Maybe a little more, a little less, but right. But I mean, so, so, so this is fast. We've learned so much about this process, and hopefully, we're taking our listeners are learning as we go here. That that a first-round draft, uh, an expected first-round draft pick shows up with six people in his medical, physical training team, plus agents. Yep. And family members, if they want to come. Yeah. There may be. I never get the first time Baselli told me he went to a Pro Bowl in in uh, Hawaii. I said, what was it like? He said, well, other than setting up uh, the tickets and accommodations for the 25 people that went with me, and, you, know, you, don't, you, you don't think about that, right? No, I mean, this is a big business. There's a lot of money at stake right now. We've worked really hard. Anthony's worked really hard. Um, and we started this December 26th. And we've been pretty much bubbled and locked down. He didn't go to Super Bowls like the other guys did. I mean, he's been very blue-collar. Um, he's been, you know, so overly obsessed with the whole process that he didn't want to leave. Right there's times that he was supposed to take you know a, a day or two here he didn't, and so we want to reward that and we want to make sure he's feeling as good as he possibly can and I, I'm expecting him to do something pretty special on Saturday night and and I think it'll continue on throughout the rest of the draft process. How good are you feeling about the networking and and the buzz and and what you're hearing from the people that you're talking to about Anthony and and not just how it's going to go Saturday but how it's going to go in in late April? Yeah, I mean I think we're hearing things that let us know it's all there for us, right? And and that's all that's all you want. You want to be in the game at this point and you know the ultimate goal is to win Super Bowls. That that's what the ultimate goal is. But you got to get on a team first and and you want to be the first player taken. That means that you won that competition. And so that's the season we're in, right? And so right now everything we're doing is going towards that goal of making Anthony a better athlete, a more efficient athlete, but also being the number one overall pick. And, you know, people may think that's silly, but that's where we started this thing. You guys know. I mean, I talked about that. I mean, that's where we started this thing. And, and to be this deep in the process and picking up steam, um, that's why I'm walking around with a constant smile. <laughs> like, it, I mean, we got we got to get through two months, but if we have another two months like these previous two months, we can make it happen. 
As a quarterback evaluator, what do you think of the other three guys, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and obviously Will Levis? Yeah, I think they're all talented, and I, I will confess something here. I haven't watched a thing on anybody else other than Anthony since we started. That was kind of our, our thing. Was since we, December. Since December. Okay. We haven't, we yeah, haven't put in film. We haven't listened, sorry, to any radio. <laughs> we haven't watched any TV. We have been completely bubbled. And so I don't, I don't even know who's training. I don't know anything about him. I saw Bryce a second ago, uh, said hello to him, looks great. But, you know, outside of that, I know nothing about these guys right now. I mean, obviously on the field, they're, they're elite. That's why they're here. Um, but there's, there's a lot more to this than just what you did on the field in college. Well, you, you know the book on everybody. The book on Anthony and Levis is great traits, but weren't as good on the field. And at times we're very good on the field. Uh, Bryce Young is amazing on the field, but is tiny. Yep. And C.J. Stroud, is the book on him is he's really good, but he's got all the great weapons, and so is, is that a detractor? Those are the – those are, you know the you, – yeah. you may yeah, not yeah, be yeah. locked in, but you right. know the book on all four guys. Yeah, and I think the, the reality of everything is we're talking about things that none of these guys really control. That's right. Right? Like, I mean, of course. Good point. Ohio State is loaded with receivers. They're always loaded with receivers. That's, I call that smart planning on C.J.'s point to go there. Yeah. Right? Bryce knew what he was getting at Alabama, and, and, you know, Kentucky's never been an offensive juggernaut. I don't remember, literally, except for when uh, Mummy was there right, that's back right. in the day. That's right. right. That's right. Outside of that, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit it's, – it's, it's not as black and white as people want to make it as far as what they saw on Saturdays with TV. Is this your first time in the combine? No. It's, this is my first time with – I mean, we had Brock Purdy. Okay. We had, oh, so you came here when Brock We had in book, right? So, no, this isn't my first time here, but it's, it's a different – it's definitely different when you have a guy like this here. Tell us about your other guys. Tell us about Brock's rehab. Tell us about Gardner Minshew, who's a free agent. Yeah. Um, what What do you hear? Gardner moves uh, today. Today, Gardner's in Jacksonville. He moved to Jacksonville today. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, and he'll be there uh, the entire month of March, and we're going to work basically like we're in May or June because he wants to be ready to go in April. Yeah. He wants to sign somewhere and go in there and take it over. So he'll be living in Jacksonville, Jack's Beach, so I'm sure everybody will see him out there. And then, you know, the rest of the guys, like Brock is still waiting surgery. You know, had a little inflammation when he was supposed to have it. What's so the war? Is it, it. It's, but it's not a Tommy John down for a year and a half. It's not it's a – no, no, it's not. But the, waiting is not good either. I mean, he's gonna, he'll be in Jacksonville doing all of his rehab and oh, physical therapy right after the surgery. So he'll be a resident of Jacksonville for probably six months. And so, yeah, we're just gearing up for all that. It's bit, we've got college spring break starting Monday. So we've got, you know, Carson Beck and – Peyton Thorne and all those guys in that first week, and we got three weeks of that. So it's a busy time. And then we got three pro days. We got, you know, Chase Bryce and uh, Kyle Vantrese, who I absolutely love, and then Anthony's pro day all in March as well. Tell us about Vantrese. What, what do you love about him? That he is, you know, he was fifth or sixth leading passer in the country at Georgia Southern. And the way we got him was uh, Helton called me and he's like, hey, man, I, I love this kid. Can y'all do this for him? He's not, he probably won't get drafted. And, and I was like, yeah, 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 we, we, we can do this. And he got here, and about a week later, he's like, man, this kid is really stinking good. He was just at Buffalo and Georgia Southern, right? And to see him just mature and, and, and learn about mechanics over the past six weeks and see what has happened with his ball flight, it's really cool. I can't wait for his pro day. I, I think he may get a late draft pick. Like, I, it wouldn't shock me at all. And then Ch and Chase Bryce may be the funnest guy I've ever been around. Like, he's just a – He's been great to have with our team as well. It's kind of lighten the mood. We're taking this a little too seriously at times. Will Stetson Bennett be drafted? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think at some point, you know, it's you get down in the fifth, sixth round, 
how do you not? I mean, if nothing else, like the kid knows how to win, right? And he's overcome a ton of odds. So I, I don't. I hope that a public intoxication doesn't ruin a kid's career. Um, if that's all it takes, then I probably shouldn't have a career. At this point. Yeah, good point. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. What? Um, back to Gardner for a second, Denny. What's realistic expectation? It doesn't sound like I don't get the sense anyone's going to bring him in to be their starter. Am I? Am I off the mark there. I mean, no. I, I don't. At least that's not the. They're not going to give there. him the job. No, I mean, right. I think is there the, a job he can go compete for? Right. That yeah. That's that's the, the best case scenario. That's the that's the deal. Yeah. So to go to one to to go to one of the teams that doesn't have an established starter, Carolina, New Orleans, whoever, and they're probably bringing in a bigger name, whether they draft him or sign him, but he goes in there and tries to beat that guy. Right. Is that, is that the scenario? Yeah, I think so. I think if you look at this draft, it's top heavy quarterback wise. You look at next year's draft, it's it's pretty good, and so there. I think if you're once you get to that fifth or sixth quarterback this year, you might as well wait till next year. So the, in that situation, yeah, okay, if you've decided you want to be that, and I've heard a couple teams that have, um, then, yeah, I would bring Gardner in, and, and that's an ideal situation. Go out there, see what you can do for a year, compete, see if you can change your mind about taking a quarterback the next year. How much, getting back to Anthony Richardson in Saturday night, how much do you script exactly what he'll do, or do they – do they kind of surprise the player with this is what we're going to throw at you? Or does he have a very fine idea of exactly what the workout's going to be? We know exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We get to script the pro day. So that's when we get to have a little bit of fun. But this is all controlled by the NFL. And, okay. And we know down to the minute and down to the yard exactly what's going to be done. And it's kind of silly when you, sit, when you think about it. I mean, it's, it's – a lot of routes, and there's a couple routes in it that take like six seconds to run, five right. seconds to run. It's like very unrealistic stuff, but it does show uh, different traits and different talents. And so, yeah, we've gone through this script probably ten times. Right. What, what's the best throw that he's made in training? Is there one that yeah, you just – Yeah, he had, he had one. He, he had one throw one day where he got, he got upset at a receiver because they ran a terrible route. And so he just took a ball and just threw it as far as he could. I don't think the ball went 40 feet at – off the ground and it went 75 yards yeah. wow and it was just like uh and he does stuff like that every day where we'd all look at each other and it's like holy cow this is a video game yeah. right there's not a throw he can't make you got to cover 80 yards with him right so it's been that's been the the fun part is is watching will will is our lead in draft prep watching him go through the mechanics and and fit, clean up some things but then just seeing his raw athletic ability I've never seen anything like this. And Josh Allen had the wow throw in his workout many years ago. Will there be? Will that be part? Will Anthony get the chance yes. to make that kind of a, a wow pro day? Throw. Yeah. At pro day, not. I mean, here he's he's going to wow everybody because they throw a go ball, and he's going to throw it as far as he wants to throw it. Mm -hmm. um, but at but at pro day, we've got some things planned out. The thing about him is, we don't need a wow throw. We need. To show consistency, 10, 15, 20 yards. We need right. outbreakers. We need curls, things like that. But I'm sure to have some fun with it, we'll, we'll have a couple of wild throws in there. Danny Thompson, the uh, whisperer. I'm glad you're having a good time here. I'm <laughs> Great glad, time. I mean, I, yeah. I think you've, you've worked hard with those guys in them. And, uh, hey, I hope he goes – I hope he goes first overall. I mean, I, I do too. It, but it sounds like he's going to go high in the draft, and, and I hope you have a good time. Thanks, for Thanks guys. Now, when we come back, we've got something really fun coming up I think that people are going to really like. Uh, if you're on Twitter and you're a sports fan, you know who Joey Melinaro is. Uh, he's hilarious. He does impersonations. Uh, he's from Indianapolis, lives here, and, uh, and he's, all over, he's all over Twitter. And we were able to catch him. Lawrence saw him and grabbed him, run him over here to the uh, desk. So I think you're going to love hearing what Joey Melinaro has to say. And then 
I got some questions for him. Okay, I had to take him through a, an, a, an assortment of questions. I hope you enjoy the answers. That's just coming up next from the Combine on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida and the law office of Stephen Doty on 1010XL. Welcome back to the Combine. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks. And I used to think Super 70 Sports was the best Twitter feed. Did you think that? He's And he's, he's up there. He's trumped now yeah, but he's been by trumped. Joey Molinaro, who's kind enough to join us now. How are you, man? Wow, what an honor. I'm great. I'm uh, I'm great to, to – glad to be on here with you guys in my backyard in Indy. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. How did it start? Can you tell me that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to – I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to ask about Collinsworth and yeah. Ed O and yeah. Saban. How did it start? It started because I was kind of a low-level – radio media grunt in indianapolis okay and uh you know things just weren't uh weren't weren't happening the way i wanted it to right and i was just like man i, I don't know i you know i gotta wait behind these guys i'm kind of doing behind the scenes blah 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 and so then i just started saying i'm gonna put some stuff out on my own you know and uh as a kid i was always uh you know my dad said it was a living room comedian right so you know in front of the family yeah, yeah. family get-togethers thanksgiving all that kind of stuff uh you know i'd get up and, and do impersonations of, of of teachers or you know my grandpa or whatever it was and make people laugh so i was like you know what i'm gonna do that if it doesn't work who gives a rip because i'm already not making it where i want to make it and um you know slowly but surely it started to work that's awesome, and and the impressions are incredible. But it's thanks. the material oh, that I think you. is so consistently brilliant. the <laughs> The one that we were watching uh, the other day that we loved was Ursay uh, coming in to talk to Ballard about where they were with the head. <laughs> the Ursay is fantastic. It is, and and again, I mean, I could go the. I love the Stern. You know, Stern oh, talking to Luck and yeah, Mahomes, yeah, but. Yeah. How, how do you? How long does it take to come up with the material? To and when do you know that this is right and I'm ready to put right. it out there? You know, um, I, I, this it's always it's just this is always what I've wanted to do. You know, um, I've always you know grew up dreaming. And my dad and my grandpa, and my uncle, you know, they loved like Saturday Night Live, right? And so they had always show me the clips of the classics with uh, you know obviously Chevy Chase and Belushi, right, 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 and those guys. And so I was like, oh, wow, well, I want to be like that, but being from indiana you know besides david letterman it's like who the hell ever made it? you know i just it didn't really compute how do i get from here right. to doing that kind of stuff right um but I, I just always loved it and i always wanted to do it and then i just started working at it you know i started like putting together okay i have this idea for this bit for this sketch okay not only write it out here and see what i get and you know i kind of punch it up like everything else and uh you know i think timeliness timeliness obviously is a big thing right um and so much of, of life, but definitely in comedy, right? You know, uh, you know, if I can get something out about like the Ursay hiring Saturday, when I get it out that day, right? Then everybody's like, bam! All right, this is this is very timely. It's hitting on the head. Um, so that's kind of my process, you know. I just have a notes app in my phone that I throw hey you know I, sometimes i roll over in the middle of the night and my wife's like who are you texting i'm, like, I'm, not texting like, I'm putting down a bit of you know uh, howard stern talking to the mandalorian and, I what I want to do. Uh, and so it's just it's yeah. it's always in my head it's always in my head joey have you heard from any of the people that you've impersonated not heard from i've met a few okay. um coach o I became, you know, pretty good pals with Coach O. He's great. Um, Brian Kelly's obviously crushing it at, at LSU in year one, but definitely miss Coach O being in kind of the public yeah, yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I briefly met Nick Saban. I heard from his daughter that he likes it. Okay. 
that was not my experience when I met him. <laughs> uh, so we were in kind of a, a situation down at the Senior Bowl where he was getting pulled all sorts of different directions. And, you know, Coach Saban, I think he was just a little crabby. So that's all right. It's understandable. Um, Chris Collinsworth, actually, uh, I have a buddy who plays for the Bengals, and he said that he went up to him at Super Bowl week last week. And he's like, hey, you know, Chris, you, uh, you know my guy Joey Molinaro? He was just like, the thing I like about Joey is <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like about him is just, right. he's never mean-spirited. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's right, you know? So, uh, you know, Chris has quote-tweeted a few times. I actually got Mr. Ursay to uh, quote-tweet a recent one of those sketches I that, that I did. So uh, I think that's the key, too, is, you know, everybody knows that I'm not doing it out of uh, a mean place or trying to trying to bash on them or anything. I just uh, honestly, what I say a lot of times is I, re- I respect them, and I'm a fan of theirs. That's why I feel I can, you know, impersonate them well so how did the Steeler fan come about just grew up a Steeler fan well my dad uh is from Indianapolis my whole family is but the Colts didn't get here until 84 right so team in the 70s you're either going to pick the Steelers or the Cowboys right my dad picked the Steelers his younger brother four years younger picked the Cowboys and it's okay. still that way to this day how about that what do you have a, a metric what what what's a good if you put a video out there what's what's a, a number that gets you excited um yeah, not to sound too cliche, like a lot of these coaches that are you know out here right. speaking and general managers here, but but really you know for me it's it's uh, the results are nice, but it's it's the process and the, and the that part of putting it together. You know, if I, the the process of putting it together, putting it out there, me feeling uh, proud of it, uh, feeling good about the product that I put out, then I'm uh, you know I'm, so I'm always I'm not going to put out anything I don't feel proud of. But then yeah, it is nice if uh, you know it all of a sudden it gets quote tweeted by Collinsworth or you know it hits a million plus views and I'm like all right I really did something that's connecting with a lot of people but for me yeah it's always just the 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 whole thing of thinking of it of writing a script of of acting it out of of chopping it up to where I'm like that's bam you know that's gonna hit you know what I mean that whole process is what matters to me have you gotten any content Joey from being here at the NFL Combine (laughs) yeah I mean so like I said I've grown up here and so I, you know, this has been in my backyard for as long as I can remember. My my dad used to take me down um, down here when I was in, like, fifth and sixth grade and would just try to, you know, holy cow, is that the Cowboys bus or, you know, is that, you know, uh, a general manager or a player, right? Um, so now just being here is really surreal every year. But, uh, yeah, there's so much you can get from it. And I think, honestly, what's more funny to me is to think about, like, if we did this for just regular employees of, like, regular jobs, like – the, the, the scouting and the testing that goes on for these football players, you know, like uh, how quickly a guy can set up a new pot of coffee, you know, how can he get from the break room to his desk and send out an email, those kind of things. So, yeah. Sure. Okay, so we're going to do a Q&A here, so just indulge me. Um, hey, Coach Saban, I hear that there's a party here. Some people like you kind of take this stuff too seriously, but there's going to be a cocktail party here in Indianapolis, Coach. Will you be attending, and how do you feel about that? Well, I won't be attending one because I got my own program to run. I, so I'm not going to be in Indianapolis no way because I got to worry about getting back to the College Football National Championship. Right, so you go on there and have your cocktail party. The only cocktail party I'm familiar with is the one that Florida and Georgia play down there and then, you know, sometime in November. All right? So I'm not worried about that. I got to take care of my players. All right? But I think, Coach Kelly, if, if, if Coach Saban doesn't go, you're going to bring that, that southern charm to the party, Coach. Oh, yes. Mighty. It's going to be one of the most fine summer days here. And it feels like summer in downtown Indianapolis. I'm going to have myself a nice iced tea and scout some mighty fine football players. And, and coach, o, coach O, I heard you're not invited to this thing, and I don't understand why you wouldn't be invited to a cocktail party with Coach Saban and Coach Kelly. 
Hey, man. <laughs> Whatever this party, I'm going to be there. I mean, I'll be watching football. I'm going to do that, but I'm going to be a prop for the seven and myself some cocktails. Let's <laughs> go back go time. Hey, Coach, and Mr. Ursa, you put on the party because you, you always like to know these coaches. Is Jeff Saturday coming? Is Peyton coming? And, and uh, these Jeff, we, we love Jeff, <laughs> man. <laughs> we love Jeff. We love Peyton. I call Peyton every night, try to get him to read me a bedtime story. He doesn't answer. I will be there. We love it. We love the combine in town, man. And uh, we're going to take a quarterback. We're going to take C.J. Stroud. <laughs> he played in the horseshoe at, at Ohio State. And we're the horseshoe, man. And he's going to bring us back. And when and if that happens, Chris, now that you're with Tariko, you know, Al Michael seemed grumpy. But you're a happy guy. If you do one of these Indianapolis games and C.J. Stroud's there, you're going to love that, right? There are not many quarterbacks I like on C.J. Stroud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just look at C.J. Stroud, you say, oh, here's a guy who can really do it all. Uh, he can run. He can certainly throw. Played in big games at Ohio State. And uh, I think going from the horseshoe in Columbus to wearing the horseshoe on the helmet would be quite the nice fit. Joey Molinaro is fantastic. And Lauren actually tweeted out. There's also another part uh, with, with Owen Wilson adding on to that conversation. I think you tweeted it out earlier. Yes, he and, referred to him as a wedding crasher. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> said, uh, uh, we talked about Owen Wilson uh, is, uh, going to that party as well, but he, uh, but he, uh, he did a terrific job. We appreciate uh, Joey spending the time to stop by. Uh, and, and I will tell you, that, that was off the cuff. Okay? It's not like I gave him a script. You know, we didn't even warn him before we had him on. No, I, we just, I did, him. and when we were talking to him, we were interviewing about him – um, and again, if you if you haven't heard him, you go to it's at Joey Molinaro. It's just just Joey, and uh, he's really funny, and he's become next to Super Seventy Sports the biggest sports follower, don't you think? I think so. I mean, I you know Frank Caliendo had a yeah. a, a run uh, over the last few years with he kind of started with his impression of John Madden, and that grew, yeah. and he's super talented. But it, it feels like in the last year or so. Uh, that that Joey is has really elevated, and I mean, again, to see that kind of talent, it's not just the fact. I mean, the voices are incredible. Right. It's the fact his material is so good. Right. You know, I mean, just his the, the just, videos that he puts out, but even you know, seeing it here, you know, to to you have to improv through right. you know, kind of that scenario of these characters that are at a party, and just to be able to do that off the top of your head, uh, it it speaks. He's if if look, I I don't know what. You know, the, I don't know where you would go to fully harness this, but if I was Lauren Michaels, if yeah. I was if I was in the comedy business, right. I would definitely want to have Joey Molin Joey Molinaro and, on the and team. And the proof of it, Lauren, is I didn't tee him up for any of that. I just said, you know what? I know I, I know his I know his app so well, or his, his profile Twitter thing so well that I know his bits. So I'm just going to ask him questions about guys that I think would fit. And he was hilarious. Yeah, you it, did. You did a great job. Yeah, but I mean, he did a great job. He, he I had the easy yeah. part, you know. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, he, he, you could in watching him too, and you can probably tell from the videos, his entire mannerisms changed. It's not like it was just the voice. It's how he also kind of incorporated the characters' uh, actions into into him too. And so he is he is fantastic, and I hope uh, everybody enjoyed that. Yeah, it was really fun. He's he's a good guy. So it's kind of cool for all of us to have him stop by. Let's take a break. We got two segments to go. What a day it's been today. At the Combine, day two, we got a lot of fun stuff planned for game day three as well. We'll tell you about some of that. And we'll wrap up uh, what we learned from Indianapolis today. That's next day with us. We sure appreciate our sponsors, all of them, making this trip possible. We've had the best time 
Hodges Mazda at the Avenues. Lauren, you're driving a car from them and have been for a while. And uh, law offices of Stephen Doty, the Hastings Injury Law Firm as well, Window World, uh, Dome Hats, uh, all did such a good job and, uh, and gave us the opportunity to, uh, to be part of this. So we are very excited about that and very excited about all the opportunities we have had here um, to talk about the various things at the uh, Combine. It's been kind of a crazy time. What's, what jumped off the page for you today? Uh, the Jalen Carter thing was was really peculiar. Um, I started covering the combine in in twenty, uh, I guess twenty fourteen would have been my first one, uh, and I can't remember ever seeing anything like this in terms of breaking news dropping that really could affect a, a prospect status. But again, Jalen Carter was scheduled to speak uh, with reporters at ten thirty. At about 9:45, uh, the news came out about the misdemeanor charges and 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 obviously resulting from the uh, the vehicular deaths of two people um, in in Athens, and it just it stopped everything uh, for about 20 uh, 25 minutes or so because the 10 a.m. group they held because I think the league wanted to sort of brief them on the Jalen Carter situation and basically just say you're going to be asked about this or you certainly could be asked about this and uh you know just just say if you I mean answer it however you want to answer it but feel free to say uh you know I'm just here to talk about me and 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 you know that's that's what the prospects did as they should uh in this situation so just a really peculiar story there that kind of stopped everything for about a half hour um, but but overall, I thought, you know, a, a really intriguing day. A lot of uh, big-time defensive linemen, linebackers. Uh, we got to see Will Anderson, who probably is now entrenched, is the first defender going off the board. Um, we got to see uh, Texas Tech's Tyree Jackson. That's He's got an incredible frame. He's going to be a guy that uh, you're going to hear a ton about as we get closer to the draft in late April because um, he's probably going top seven. Uh, and I think for the from a Jaguars perspective, at 24, if you're thinking pass rush uh, and aiding that, I think there were a lot of players here that, that are going to be intriguing. I love Nolan Smith, the Georgia outside linebacker. Uh, I think he'd be an ideal fit uh, to pair with Josh Allen and, and Trayvon Walker. Uh, and and help your help your rotation there. And again, we don't know the future of Josh Allen. He's going to be playing on his fifth year option. So, you know, what's his future like? What's it going to be? Is it going to be in Jacksonville? Trayvon Walker, obviously, with the Roy Robertson Harris extension, I think they've said they're committed to keeping Trayvon where he is. But this is a team that that needs to continue to boost the pass rush until they get it right. And you've got the quarterback, and that's great. Now you've got to find a way to affect the opposing quarterback. Nolan Smith, I thought, for 25 minutes was outstanding, uh, insightful, heartfelt, everything that, that you'd want to see, and, and, and I think he's a fantastic football player. But there were other guys as well, uh, you know, Foskey out of Notre Dame. Um, Gervon Dexter is a player out of Florida that I think really has a chance to rise. He's incredibly impressive physically because he's – Six seven. It seems I'll be interested in seeing what his official measurements are here. But he also looks like he's bulked up. Um, he was always sort of a, a, he was a big time recruit. But he's angular, but he was yeah tall, angular, uh, kind of almost you know he's he's got a basketball background and he he almost sort of looked more like a basketball player. He looks like a football player now. I mean he looks like a mini Calais Campbell in the sense of how Calais looked you know at the combine 
14, 15 years ago when he was here. Uh, Dexter is a player, it's hard to find interior pass rush. He gives you that. You know, I, and I, I don't, I'd be surprised if Dexter isn't a guy that routinely gets, you know, uh, some three sacks a year. The question is, could he be a player that might get you like eight and a half, nine sacks a year? And if he can do that from the tackle position, then uh, he will rise. And so his testing is going to be really important. Uh, but I think his production, uh, you know, was affected by the fact that Florida had nothing else on defense. And the opponent knew on every play, put two guys on him. And uh, so Dexter is a guy, if, if I were the Jaguars, I would come out of today looking really hard at Nolan Smith and, and Gervon Dexter at 24. To me, Frank, the big news uh, would be honestly coming from a guy that joins us weekly in season, and that's Denny Thompson. I never in a million years thought Anthony Richardson could go number one overall. Could he go top ten? Yes. But number one ahead of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I never in a million yeah, years and thought again, that. Yeah, and again, and that's not out there yet, that, that it, but it could happen. No, just Denny said it, it's possible that he could be the number one overall pick. That, yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah, so uh, it'll be very interesting to see what, what happens with Anthony. He is the most intriguing guy. I will say this. I'm not a guy that makes it destination watching to watch TV uh, on these workouts. I'll probably have the DVR running Saturday night. I, I'll yeah. absolutely be watching. Yeah, I mean, just, just to see how he throws. But, again, and I didn't, look, I said this all along to Denny, and, and now without Denny here, I said, I've said all along, this will be his season. The, the, what, what he had to get – Anthony Richardson had to get through the playing season – where the stuff he wasn't as good at would show up. Reading defenses from time to time. Um, throwing inaccurately from time to time. Not necessarily knowing whether to run, whether not to run, whether to throw it out of bounds, whether, whether to live for another play. Uh, the things that weren't going to show, the, th- the negative stuff, and look, Anthony's a good player. I'm not saying it's all negative stuff, but the negative stuff was going to show up in the season. None of that's showing up Saturday night. What's going to show up Saturday night is a six foot four, two hundred and forty five pound guy that runs four four, that bench presses two hundred twenty five a bunch of times, that throws beautiful tight spirals a thousand yards. That's what's going to show up. So I, we've all said it. If he could survive the playing season, then the workout season he was going to slay and he was going to climb boards because of how he slayed them. Yeah, absolutely. He is a guy who's physically a specimen. And I wonder, Hayes, if he was here as a tight end, how would that change, you know, ex- how the NFL views him? I think it may be a little short for today's tight end, but just the physical specimen, people would be gooing, ooing and eyeing over goo gaga, you know, type of eyes over him. But the fact that he's a quarterback takes it to a whole nother level. I, I think Denny made the best point with Anthony, and uh, it's it's – he needs a high percentage completion in the, you know Saturday night and in the comp and in the pro day there will be the moments of the wow throw and that's what is a fan I can't wait to see Saturday night is when Anthony Richardson decides this is the one that I'm going to unleash uh, Josh Allen did it here however 5 6 years right. ago and it really was like wow that is unbelievable Justin Herbert had a, a big time combine moment I'm looking forward to seeing that combine moment, but Denny makes a, a bigger, a larger, more important point is the focus really needs to be 
Kenny, when you look at the accuracy numbers here, can Anthony Richardson be at least somewhat towards the top of it? Because it's it's not so much the the bombs. It's the can he complete the ten right. yard pass yeah. uh, and throw it where it needs to be. So uh, it's not there's not the sizzle to that. But that short intermediate accuracy is going to be crucial for Anthony Richardson Saturday night and certainly at his pro day. But I don't think you can tell accuracy Saturday night or at a pro day. You can, but you know what the defense is doing. No one's trying to confuse you. You're not having to throw off balance. That I think, I think GMs will say, I can't tell that here. I can tell that on his tape. What I can tell here is the big throw, the speed, the body. Uh, put him up on the board. That I can tell here. How he, re- the accu- part of accuracy is how accurate are you when the defense does something you weren't expecting, or when your receiver slips and do- and doesn't come out of his route in time. So when you're down seventeen, nothing. Yeah, but by the way, well, correct. But by the way, for me, everyone wants to make the Cam Newton comp to him because they're both big, strong guys with rifle arms and run very fast. But that was another time. The best comp, if you want a comp, if you want a good comp for him, Josh Allen's the best comp because that's another guy who wasn't as great as he should have been in college. Now he's playing at Wyoming in a different circumstance, but that's another guy who traits were way better than his college story. Okay, and so and so that's the comp. The comp is Josh Allen, both six five, both physical, both rifle arms, both run really fast, both tough. So isn't that if you're if you're comparing it, and that's a guy, and that's a is a contemporary. It's a guy that's playing right now. Isn't that the comp that people will pay attention to? Yeah, and and look, I think Josh Allen was playing with a better supporting cast at Wyoming. <laughs> he I might have kid. been. He, well, I kid. Don't kid. Don't, don't, I kid. Don't completely kid. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, no, I I would agree. I mean, if Anthony Richardson is a star in the NFL, he's going to look the most like how Josh Allen is a star. In the NFL, and that's again, the comp. And again, we heard Greg Cosell, you know, earlier today talking with us and talking about the Bills and basically laying it out that the Bills aren't that good, but Josh Allen is basically unstoppable. So they win a lot because he he can basically be tasked with save us every week, and he's able to do it more often than he isn't. Uh, you know how sustainable that is for Buffalo. We'll you know we'll have to see, but. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Denny was glowing. I mean, we were, we're around glowing, Denny Thompson he? a lot. And Denny Thompson has obviously uh, had a really good time here so far in Indianapolis from the, the friends that he's caught up with and the contacts that he has. And uh, that's, that's awesome. Look, Florida's never had the number one pick in the draft, ever. Uh, it would be very ironic if it's Anthony Richardson because Florida's had – three Heisman winners. They've had a bunch of All-Americans. They've had some incredible players, uh, but they've never had the number one pick in the draft, and it would be the irony of all ironies if the person that does it first is a player that is viewed in a disappointing fashion in terms of how they were as a college player. Who, who's, is Jordan Warren the highest? He was yeah, third. Three. He, he, Jordan Warren, of all players, Jordan Warren, a guy that most people won't even remember, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you ask Gator fans to, to, to run off – uh, twenty-five draft picks. They won't. Gerard Warren might not make the list, and he yeah. was the highest one. Mm-hmm. Six, six, what? Six, four, three, fifth, three, fifteen, yep. three, ten. Good yep. player, defensive yeah. tackle. Yeah. Yep. If, if Ar goes number one overall, does that look poorly upon Billy Napier? It's too early to tell. Yeah, I agree. But uh, it will be 
it, it, it's at the end of this in two or three years, one of them right. is going to look really bad. And uh, it's just a question of who is that going to be. Yeah, I, I would think – I'll say this about the whole Billy Napier. This has all been about NFL stuff because we've been at the combine for two days and we have one more here. But as far as the Billy Napier stuff goes, I would say it's really hard to judge him and his handling of of uh, Anthony Richardson because all of it was so new. If he had had Anthony for two or three years and then your question, Lauren – didn't do great in college, but became a great pro. Then I think you can go back and say, "What was he doing down there?" But he just got him. You know, he just got uh, in on a time where he just got everything else and playing in the best league in America and two really hard non-league games and trying to figure it all out. You know what I mean? So I think if he had him three years and he did nothing and then he became a star in the NFL, then it really does look badly on. But I don't think so. The guy that just inherited, inherited the guy. The other thing too is we're you know kind of forgetting this a little bit Anthony Richardson was banged up almost the whole season mm-hmm. yeah I mean he gets hit low against Kentucky in the second game yes. uh which wasn't called which wasn't called uh but you know then he had what was it the first play against was it Georgia that he scrambles to the sideline yeah. and uh and and tweaked his knee uh it just I don't think he was ever healthy so the other thing that I would say I think maybe I guess what I'm saying is a benefit of the doubt to Napier if Anthony Richardson ends up being an elite quarterback is did he – he only had him for one year and was he, you know, 60% basically that whole year, which, you know, look, Denny's been pretty open about that, that once Mm -hmm. once they got to the end of the year and Anthony wasn't going to play anymore, he was like, look, Anthony played through a lot of stuff. By the way, Bannerman – I got Bannerman just tweeted me. You're right about that. Wes Chandler went third overall. The great wide receiver in the seventies, I forgot, and went on to be a terrific receiver in the NFL too. So that yeah. one I forgot. So about. they've they've had multiple. But multiple. Warren threes, was yeah. the last guy to get. Yeah, Gerard Warren was the most yeah. recent one. So you're exactly right about West Chandler. All right, I'll take a break. One a segment to go. We'll wrap it for you after this. Live from Indianapolis on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, gentlemen. We have not gotten any college baseball last night, but JU played host to Florida. Gibby on the call. Six home runs between the two teams. That was exciting stuff. It was. Um, it was. Uh, it was a crazy game. The wind uh, at John Sessions Stadium was ridiculous. I mean, that JU unfortunately had seven errors in the game. Florida had one, but the wind played tricks all night long. And I did the game with uh, JU Hall of Famer Terry Alexander, which is always a treat for me because. Frank, you know, he's a legend here in Jacksonville yeah. and the all-time winningest coach. And so it's always great to, to hear from him what he thinks of players at Florida. I asked him about Wyatt Langford, who had a monster game last night, four for five with a home run, and he just couldn't get over how talented Wyatt Langford is. He's, he's got a chance to go first overall in the upcoming draft. I think he's a surefire top five pick. Uh, Jack Caglione hit a bomb to left uh, last night here in Jacksonville. The thing I said on the call, Frank, was he makes a hard game look easy, and it's not yeah. its not easy to do that. He's 6'5", 245, and uh, he, he's a monster. Yeah, he's one of – we said yesterday he's one of the few guys that throws 100 – that throws almost 100 and has exit velocities as a hitter uh, over 100, so it'll be fun. They play again tonight, by the way. They yeah, do. Six o'clock. in Gainesville. They play in Gainesville. Yep. Uh, by the way, UNF lost to FAMU 12-6. to not to be outdone, there were eight home runs in that game between both teams. You know what I wonder, and, and, and I do, and, and there's always talk about juicing balls and bats. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if college baseball quietly 
made an equipment adjustment. And, I, and I'm not accusing, nor am I saying I've heard any insight on that. Sure. But there's a lot of folks hitting a bunch of home runs in college baseball now. There so are. More, yeah, more than it seems, you know, in past. So, so we'll that's a, and good, by the way. I like home runs, so we'll keep an eye on that. FSU is currently beating USF three to nothing, uh, as far as a midweek contest. Did for FSU them. sweep TCU? FSU did not sweep them, but three. they won two out of two. three against number eight. FSU. So now they're ranked sixteenth in the country. FSU under Link Jarrett. I mean, they just beat they're number forced. eight. They just went on the road and won two out of three from TCU. They are they are going to be legit, legit, legit under Link Jarrett. I'm telling you. They went yeah, from absolutely. unranked to sixteenth. Yeah. We did not get to this today. Mike White, 0-2 against Todd Golden as the Gators won last night, 77-67. to Thanks to 24 points from Will Richard, including five threes. That means, Frank, that Florida Gators have won eight straight against the Georgia Bulldogs. I, yeah, and they'd won eight straight against Georgia. They had won nine straight against Vanderbilt. So hopefully, at least with the Georgia, will keep on. I'll tell you this. So we are at uh, a cool little pub last night. It was kind of packed. And the TV, the Hayes Lauren and I were sitting – in this booth, and I was the only one who had a good look at the TV, so I'm kind of watching the Florida-Georgia game, and I'm kind of giving Hayes and Lauren kind of updates. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, man, was it bad basketball. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but I was telling you guys, I mean, the ball, and again, it, I mean, it is what it is, but boy, oh, boy, it looked like bad basketball. But hey, it's two teams headed nowhere, but uh, Florida, the good thing is you don't want to lose to your former. If there's one good thing, you don't want to lose to your former coach. Well, That's the last thing you want. I mean, Todd Golden must be a, a Gator sensation because he's beaten <laughs> Georgia twice, Florida State, and Tennessee. <laughs> and LSU. And it's, he's beat all the rivals. Somebody get this guy on the football team. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yesterday was Mark Emmert's last day as NCAA president. He was paid approximately $29 million over his 12-year reign, wow. or $6,442 per day. Yeah, he was, he was, and he was probably – everybody always hates the guy at the, at the top of the NCAA. He was probably hated as much as any, you know. It's a well-paid clown. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that seems to be the belief. <laughs> Highly paid for sure. Our little NFL talk. Hey, is Derek Carr has been in, has been here in Indy to meet with the Saints, the Jets, and the Panthers, possibly more. So is he just going around trying to figure out who's going to pay him the most money? Doesn't it just make you, in case you needed another reason, <laughs> to be so thrilled that Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback? Can you imagine the living hell it must be to be worried about what Derek Carr is going to do this offseason and trying to position your team to be the one of the four that is going to secure the services, the privilege of getting to pay Derek Carr $40 million a year to play quarterback in for the, you? In the, boy, I can't even add anything to that. That, that. The perspective of what you just said, the privilege to play. Is he, what's he going to make? I would guess like 40 a year. Because that's insane. It, because it's going to be a bidding war. There's probably going to be well, three right. or four teams that. Did, wow. He already signed a hundred and twenty-five million dollar deal with the Raiders years ago, and yeah, now he's going to get paid probably another couple. What, well, a hundred, probably a hundred and thirty. Even if it's thirty million a year. Yeah. And I th and I do think it'll be so, higher. Yeah. It's still wow. just unbelievable. It really is. Commander's owner, Commander's owner Dan Snyder allegedly took out a $55 million credit line without knowledge and approval from his minority partners. The secret loan is now the primary focus of a federal investigation into potential financial misconduct by Snyder and the Commanders. Frank, do we need any more reasons to get rid of Daniel Snyder in gosh, the NFL? Guys, and that, and that guy, and I tell you what, he's a survivor because no, does anybody want him still there? Is there no. anybody on, in, in any walk of life? 
that says, hey, by the way, Daniel Snyder's getting a raw deal. I hope he gets to keep the commanders. Is anyone? Is there anybody anywhere saying that? I, it certainly doesn't feel like he has any allies among the other 31 owners at this point. He's had some support, but I think in the last few years, all that's eroded. And, and they've, they don't want to vote him out, mm-hmm. uh, but they may be at a point where – that's what's going to happen. And why don't they want to vote him out? They don't want to set the precedent that it, 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 it they don't want owners, uh, th- th- they don't really want that being an option that has ever been taken. Okay. So that, you know, I, I think they would much rather Daniel Snyder just realize, uh, you know, go out with some dignity mm-hmm. and just sell the team instead of being, you know, forcibly removed from it. Um, but we'll see. Dan Snyder seems like uh, the kind of person that may not take that out. Yes, may not. Uh, one quick final NFL note. Deron Payne, who I would have loved to have in Jacksonville, uh, but he was not getting out of Washington. He became the first player this offseason to receive the franchise tag, made a cool $18.937 million for this season. All right, we've had a lot of fun in Indianapolis. But someone, Frank, has been in Costa Rica. Oh, my good Animals, how do he survive all that? <laughs> That's say, a good question. Say Let's, a little Rick Blue. Yeah. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Blue, what were you doing? Just hanging out in the woods in Costa Rica? What the hell? I'm part of, yeah, smack dab deep in the jungle. Yeah, and let me (laughs) tell you something, brother. That is a jungle. All right, yeah. let's make no bones about it. So where were all those pictures? Tell me, take, where were you getting all those pictures? Just walking around taking pictures of snakes and stuff? Well, they were like they were tours through uh, through different rainforests. Um, okay. And you know it was uh, it was hilarious because this one guy uh, who's leading the tour, I'm guessing they're not exactly tall over there. Okay. okay. I, I could okay. dunk on them all. All right. Okay. He's like five three one ten. And he says, uh, be careful because earlier today there was a viper right here. And he's like, he's like smiling at me. I'm like, a viper? He's like, yeah, if a viper bites you, you'll be dead like within five minutes. And I'm like, well, do you guys have any vaccine on hand? Do you have any serum on? He's like, no, 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 no. Just leave them alone. They'll leave you alone. He goes, the big question is, uh, don't look down so much. Look up because most are in the trees. Sure enough, you know, my GF is right next to me. She goes, oh, my God, look. Points right above us is a snake cruising from limb to limb. So that I was saw a, it. I saw yeah. the picture. Yeah, I, I was a little frightened when I saw it. So Yeah, that was the highlight. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sounds, sounds like it. Yep. All right, well, I'm glad you had a great day. And by, and by the way, you had all kind of animals on the golf course too, right? Yeah, we saw it. Oh, yeah. It, it's just tremendous over there. It really is. I mean, um, you know, there, there are times around here when we're – you know, maybe a gator will come up or some birds will have some fun. But I'm like ready to hit my second shot off the fairway. And, and all of a sudden, this legitimate monkey <laughs> walks across the fairway. And I, I, of course, stopped and took a video of it and put right. it out on uh, on Facebook. But, you know, I'm so amazed by that. I, I just love animals. And it seems like no matter where I go, I, I, I have a, a, a way of attracting them. And, uh, man, I saw them all out there in uh, – uh, wherever I went, Costa Rica. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a great right. time. Good to be back. Let's though. Go, let's coming up tonight. Right? Uh, we got a lot. You know, I feel like I get away and I missed a lot. So I'm going to kind of recap everything. Obviously, uh, the latest that's come down today with the Jags and around the NFL. It's just great to be back. It, it it really is. I enjoyed the vacation, but you know, international travel can be hectic. So 
I'm uh, I'm happy as all get out that I'm here at Hogan Road and I'm ready to go over the next couple of hours. Should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Sounds good, Rick. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. All right, let me uh, set the scene for tomorrow. We have one more day here from the uh, Combine. Really have enjoyed all the people that stopped by. Uh, our, a couple of our regulars, Johnny O and Pete Prisco, stopped by tomorrow. In addition to that, a fun roundtable. We're going to do a roundtable, both video and audio. Uh, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans. Uh, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, and, and, and yours truly, are going to sit uh, around a table with um, video rolling. And we are going to have um, talk all about the various uh, teams, all about the uh, the Jags, the Titans, the Texans, and the Colts. We'll take turns talking about our teams. We'll ask each other pointed questions about it, and then you'll hear a lot of that on the radio tomorrow. And so, uh, and, and you'll then see it sort of of uh, on our video channels as well. So all that comes up tomorrow. We're really looking forward to that. How about Joe Cullen? Our old friend Joe Cullen stops by tomorrow. I hope he's going to come by and say hello. We're going to spend uh, some time with him. I want to ask him, what's it like coaching Chris Jones? What's it like coaching against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in practice every day? He was the defensive line coach, and he's got a big ring. I told him to bring his ring. I want to see the ring. So Joe, Joe Cullen stops by. Matthew Barry, maybe the preeminent fantasy guy, uh, Hayes caught up with him. He's got some fantasy tips, right, and what the expectations going forward, right? Yeah, fun fantasy uh, thoughts on the Jaguars moving forward. A lot to like, uh, but you got to know what round to take these yeah, guys, right? Yeah, so yeah. Matthew's going to give us a little bit of an early sense of that. A guy with a million followers on Twitter, so certainly he uh, – uh, I don't know the fantasy stuff very well. Our buddy Mike Dempsey is phenomenal, by the way. Mike Dempsey at our radio, so you know you, Mike knows fantasy as well as anybody around, and Matthew Barry uh, has great fantasy advice, so that comes up tomorrow. Uh, uh, and some other guests will stop by in our final day. So we're excited to have you with us. Thanks for being part of it. That'll do it for our program, and don't go anywhere. Rick Ballou goes into the night right now. We'll be back in uh, Indianapolis one more day at the Combine. For Lauren, Hayes, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.